Welcome back to the IGN Movies Podcast, Keeping It Real. This is, this is Jim Bavida. That's Roth Cornett as Chris Carl and his, his ghost whisper. That's my lame, lame Chris Carl. <laughs> Only Chris can be the, the Chris. He's, he's the Chris whisperer. He's the podcast whisperer. Mm-hmm. He certainly is. He's sitting out this uh, this episode. He's, he's a busy lame. man. Yeah. Well, you know, look, we, we there's a there's a whole lot of ego in this room between you and I. It's yeah. tough for for three people to. <laughs> that's that's like uh, that's that's a tough act right there. But anywho, we have a lot of cool stuff to talk about. But the coolest part of this podcast, we have a a very special guest. Dun, dun, dun. Now, some of you may have guessed it uh, or know from following us on, on Twitter or on Facebook, but we have Aaron Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart, you guys. That's right. Harvey Dent himself. Two-Face. That's briefly. right. Briefly. Briefly. And he's here to talk about his new movie, Erased, uh, and we'll uh, tell you guys when you can see that and where. Uh, also, we're going to talk about uh, all all things sort of Dark Knight related with him. Uh, as well as some other cool things he has coming up. Uh, we, we've already recorded that segment, so we're going to cut away to that at a certain point. Uh, and then, of course, we're, we're also going to talk about, oh, a little little something opening up this week called Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3, I haven't heard of it. I don't this. know. They haven't little done a very film. good job of, of pushing that movie at all. I think it's going to just fly right under the radar. Uh, obviously, we're, we're just shitting you on yeah. that one. We all know about it. But we, Every, we have, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, everyone in the office has seen Iron Man. Some people have seen it two or three times. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Some folks have been lucky enough to do that. I've, I've seen it once. I can't wait to see it again. Uh, again, it opens up this Friday domestically, but it's been out for a week in uh, international markets, and it has cleaned up. Uh, it made $242 million, It's made $242 million globally so far in one week most movies would kill to get that in total in their entire global run uh so let's talk about last weekend's box office i thought oblivion would be number one with 16 million pain and gain debuting second 15 and i thought big wedding would be third with 10 uh you uh, Roth thought Pain and Gain would be number one with 25, Oblivion second with 20, then you thought uh, 42 would be third place with 12 million, and Big Wedding fourth place with 10 million. Da-da. Here's the actual, you got the order exactly right. Uh, I but was not the not not the math. This is okay. not well. You weren't too far off. You the, were. I feel like we have to le- let the listener be the judge. Yeah, this on this. this one. I, I'm gonna give you the edge on this one uh, because you got the order right. Uh, here's the actual retail price. Pain and Gain was number one with twenty uh, million. Oblivion second place with just under eighteen million. Forty two third place with just under eleven million. In the big wedding, fourth place with an even lower amount than either of us anticipated, uh, with seven point six million. So, uh, yeah, I think you won. <laughs> you got it pretty close, much closer than my, I was. My estimations for how much things are going to make is a little generous. Seemingly. Yeah, it's not that. It's not Carl bad. <laughs> that shit where he's like twenty million off. But uh, this is a, uh, <laughs> but pain and gain. Okay, so it's a uh, Michael Bay's can say he had another movie debut at number one obviously 20 million opening for a michael bay movie is a pittance but for a movie that costs 25 million that is not about explosions and robots and all that sort of thing and is a really big change of pace for him um 
I think that's decent. Sure. I mean, I think it's nothing to, to cry about. And and he actually got some pretty decent notices for it. I'll tell you this. If he is crying, he has $75 million bills and to a whole wipe lot his of tears away with. good-looking women to, to yes, comfort he him. Does. He literally, I think it was Transformers. I think it was Transformers 2 that he he himself personally made $75 million from. That's insane. Yeah. It really is. I mean, 75 million bones transformers. <laughs> money out my ass. <laughs> there we go. It's the ass bell now. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. We could, uh, I don't know. You haven't seen Pain and Gain, though, right? I haven't. I, I do. I Actually, I just wrote it down to go check it out this weekend. It's though. good. I, you know what? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was quite good. You guys can check out my review on the site. Um, I thought it was a. It was a good, like, The Rock is amazing in it. And uh, I think it, you know, if Michael Bay chooses to to stretch himself again, I think he proved with this movie that he is capable of more than just human cartoons. Mm -hmm. But that's if he chooses to. Like, something tells me he might sort of be like a... um, the way like Eddie Murphy every now and then will do something daring and then yeah. immediately retreat back into a fat suit. Well, but the but the fat suit makes a lot of money. And the fat live suit action pays the bills. Pat, fat suit pays the the big bills and the live action cartoons also render or <laughs> yield great dividends. I mean, he's Or as you put it, money out the ass. Money out his ass. <laughs> yeah, I mean they like Listen, that's nothing to sneeze at. 75 million bones. I wouldn't sneeze that money out of my ass. Let me tell you something about Michael Bay that you may not know. I think this was on the first Transformers, and then I think this didn't remain true. But he, I think, took a pay cut, which for him is like whatever. Like He has so much money. But he took a minor pay cut in order to keep a los angeles crew and like oh, nice. he, he moved that mo- money over to have an la crew which i appreciated because i don't know if you guys know this but it's been hard times in la for the yeah. last few years for people that work in the film industry because there's just so many tax breaks elsewhere yeah anyway. and i mean i think every now and then uh, like it seems like there's uh conflicting reports every now and then like uh of oh tv production is up in la and then tv production is down they all went to vancouver yeah. but i feel like at least in the TV front, there might be some more consistent work. Like, I know, like, a lot of people go and do reality TV because sure. at least it's... But even that travels. I have a friend who's produces reality TV, and she's in Texas right now for, I think, four months on an A&E show or, like, a Bravo show, some weird Bravo reality. Remember when Bravo real, had, like... Real Housewives of Houston? It, no, it's, it's not that bad. It's, like, truckers or something like that. But... It, do you remember when Bravo... Is it about ha- Matt Fowler? He moved to Texas. It so. is about Matt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we should hook them up. I never even thought of that. There you go. Um, but, uh, all right. Well, let's get into some of the news items. We don't have to belabor them too much because we actually speak to Mr. Eckhart at length, like about 35 minutes or so. We do. Chat. So it's a, it's probably the most in-depth chat that I can think of of him having about uh, everything from comic book movies to... Uh, working on Dark Knight to um, I Frankenstein. I Frankenstein talks about that that upcoming movie of his, also based on a comic book. He talks about his career, some of the plans he has, uh, what he's trying to do now, and of course he talks once again about his new movie Erased. Um, so yeah, there's uh, stay tuned for that lovely part of the podcast. But let's uh, let's talk about the week that was in genre movie news. Um, what the hell? Let's talk. Let's start with Transformers since sure. uh, some news came out today. Crazy. Kelsey Grammer 
you know, Frazier. Fra- well, my whole my whole theory is that he's going to be the bad guy in Transformers. He's going to. Oh yeah, sorry, I didn't yeah. let you finish the news before I <laughs> start talking the lead. about it. I did. I apologize. <laughs> I'm just a non sequitur, <laughs> sassy little. You're to non sequiturs what I am to to really really painfully forced segues <laughs> and and puns the, and the, puns nobody can top me in in, in puns man i am i am i'm like a, a really bad batman villain in that regard punny i'm the punster <laughs> the punster yeah the so so here's speaking of a batman villain my whole theory although this is again completely unrelated but my whole theory about kelsey Grammer is that he's going to play the whole thing as sideshow bob yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. You <laughs> that, know, he's been looking for Optimus. Optimus is like the Bart Simpson exactly. of this. That would be it's pretty a live awesome. Live action sideshow Bob. Yeah, I have a feeling like having seen the last ones, even though they're like this is going to be a whole new thing, we're redesigning the road. I'm expecting much of the same, just new faces. Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling he's either going to be playing it really broad, like Totoro did, or he's going to basically. Uh, phone it in yeah like the way John Voigt or Francis yeah. Dorman did he's basically playing another one of those kind of government suit type roles he's playing I think his name is Attinger and he's basically like a um, uh, um, a security type guy uh, I believe like a Homeland CIA. Security, CIA type yeah. thing, you know, national security kind of guy. Yeah, so it felt to me, I agree with you. I feel like it will be it will be essentially the same formula with a new band of younger characters so yeah. that they can continue on. I think he's just setting them up to roll on. It'll probably, even if he's not directing, maintain some kind of producer position in order to keep keep on cleaning up those dollars out his butt. <laughs> um, dollars out his butt. Tell, tell, uh, tell the... the the view the viewers the listeners might not be aware that the uh the young actress if they're if they're tv watchers yes. is on a very popular show right now which yeah. you tell them she plays um the the young lady leading lady in in um in the upcoming transformers movies plays bradley who is the girl that recently deflowered norman bates on bates motel there we go and she was in uh Shyamalan's last airbender movie yeah. Uh, she plays Mark Wahlberg's uh, Bal- Wahlberg's daughter in the movie, not his love interest. Mm-hmm. She's like 16, and he's like 42. So yeah. no, uh, she plays his daughter, and uh, this young uh, Irish unknown, Jack Rayner, I think is mm-hmm. his name, is playing like basically the the, the Shia, Shia type role. Um, she's really, I like her though. I mean, she's a real. She's very. It's funny because she kind of looks like a very young Rosie. Um, Oh gosh, Rosie. Oh, Huntington Whiteley. Rosie Huntington Whiteley. I mean, she's really, really pretty. Um, but I like her as an actress, and I certainly like her character on Bates Motel because she's not the stereotype. You know, she's yeah. like a really pretty girl, but she's not sort of mean spirited the yeah. way that's often portrayed. You know. Yeah, she's not. It's not. Uh, it goes against the expectation, which was it's you know Norman meets Mean, mean Girls. Mean Girl. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's not. She just happens to be like the cute chick in school, but she's, she kind of reminds me of like a Gwen Stacy, mm-hmm. Mary Jane Watson type in that way. And, and he's the awkward, you know, kid that'll grow up to kill everybody. But, you know. Which again. Well, you know, we, we haven't really, um, maybe in the next podcast, because we're a little pressed for time, but, you know, I, I do think it's interesting that um, two movie uh, icons Hannibal Lecter and Norman Bates horror movie icons have now found a home on the small screen. I am really bummed that Hannibal's not doing better. 
It is it's a really, great show. really bothersome to me too. I Eric and I spoke about this um, recently because I, I I am continually befuddled by genre fans because I am a genre fan. I mean, I really am, but like I find myself confused by why shows that I think are fine but far lesser in quality will get for a genre show. Yeah. I, exponentially higher ratings than something that's really quality like Hannibal. And I don't know if it's the NBC curse. I don't know. I, I You know, the thing is, I don't feel like, I don't know enough about the, the selling of TV shows because I watch everything either on my Roku or just streaming from the official sites. But it's like, I feel like there was a decent presence for Hannibal. I see it on bus, uh, sides of buses everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like Hannibal, you say that name and that great image of him wiping the blood, like everyone knows what that is. Maybe people just think it's too gruesome for broadcast. Like, should that have been a Showtime show? Well, I mean, it is, it really is gory. I mean, it is quite graphic. Yeah. I mean, I know that, they, and I don't want to get off on this uh, tangent, but I know that they, there was a Salt Lake City um, uh, affiliate that pulled an episode. Yeah. I mean, I watch some of the stuff and I kind of blanch and I'm, you know, normally I'm not phased by any of that, but I'm like, it's, it's kind of gruesome for, for broadcast TV. I mean, I think it really appeals to the the real horror fan because there are horror fans that like that gruesome sort of gory quality. But I, I think it has so much more going for it. You yeah. know, I mean, it's so well made. It's so... It's more psychological. It's, it's more not psychological. really about... The gore is really there to accentuate the, the evil, the darkness that these characters have to venture into. But it's not... It's really more about getting lost in that darkness you know i mean i think that that's I, yeah i mean i think that that's definitely a possibility that that is turning some people off of 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 this as a network show um or do they just want a procedural like the kill of the week kind of thing but and and this is what i was going to counter and say is that very famously these procedural shows like criminal minds are gruesome yeah you csi know? was pretty nasty you they know? had like there was some i, I guess it was a csi uh, thing, but something like some guy's head in the desert, a decapitated head with ants all over it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that really? It's really nasty. Yeah. yeah, there's nasty, nasty stuff. And I don't know if Hannibal is just, I think actually, if I really had to guess, it's more challenging, you know? And yeah. this is the other thing that I would say is that Hannibal, although we're following Will Graham, not Hannibal, Hannibal is not an anti hero the way that like Dexter is. Yeah. He's. You're, you're, he's the time bomb waiting to go off. That you, oh, we all know he's going to be the, the worst guy on the show, but right now nobody else knows that. But Yeah, yeah. in any event. In any event. Um, uh, but anyways, uh, I just thought noteworthy that, um, you know, she's she's now on the uh, Bates Motel, another great show. And, well, it, it could go off the rails soon if they don't watch it. But I, that's... You know what? Maybe I'll sit down on the channel surfing yeah, podcast sometime. We'll that. talk about all that. Um, other stuff in the news: Gears of War. Now that that video game movie has been in development hell for a very long time. <clears throat> New blood uh, attached to it now. Scott Stuber, the producer of Ted, Identity Thief, Battleship, and a bunch of other things, has uh, come aboard to G.I. produce Joe, that movie. The first N- one, didn't he? Mm, I don't. I don't know if he was. His with then that wife one. was in it. Yeah, that's a long story we don't want to get into. <laughs> that's, uh, but anyway, uh, um, Gears of War is, is it, it, there's no talent attached, there's no writer. They're going around to studios uh, to see if they'll get someone involved at, you know, 
earlier incarnation was set up at, at New Line with Len Wiseman and Kate Beckinsale kind of uh, dancing around it. That obviously never happened. But, you know, Gears of War, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I could watch a Gears of War movie. I just sort of, and judging by sort of the reader reaction to it, I don't know if there's really much of an appetite for it now. It's very strange because I feel like there's such obvious properties yeah. that why why is that just i mean and i'm sure there's a there's many financial reasons why i know that there are many financial complex reasons why but i mean if you look at there's just such obvious like that's gonna win for you this franchise is gonna win for you as a movie if you make it well yeah and i wonder i really have to wonder why there isn't a halo movie why isn't there a call of duty movie why well, the Halo thing is really more no, about I'm, Microsoft I mean, not wanting to tarnish their brand. No, but. I do know why, but oh, I'm okay. saying, like, why? Do you know what I mean? Like, it, this is what I mean. I do know the reasons why in terms of Microsoft, but it's such a it's such a money-making opportunity. It just seems like a real wasted opportunity, you know? Because I think they're just afraid of losing control. But we'll see what happens with Ubisoft now is, is got a, a several coals in the fire, which we've talked about in past podcasts, but, like, they have Assassin's Creed with Michael Fassbender. They have uh, Splinter Cell with Tom Hardy. Um, you know, neither of those are actually in production, but there's definitely, you know, they, they took an interesting approach of getting quality hot up-and-coming actors attached to it fastbender also has like a, a, an involvement in a producing capacity with with assassins so it'll be curious to see like how those ones come together yeah i don't know i mean assassin's creed looks I, like it could be really I, wonky uh, yeah i feel like assassin's creed it could be awesome but it really could go south i have fast. a feeling it'll be like a, a tarsome kind of movie where mm-hmm. it's gonna look awesome but kind of like play wonky and the the thing about fassbender too is that as as incredible of an actor as he is and he is i don't i I just in anything i've read from him or even speaking with him and things like that like interviews i i don't see him as a producer i really don't the way that like gosling very clearly understands well i think fassbender sees that producers get laid (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna lay a lot of a lot of money on the line that fastbender has zero issues getting laid <laughs> <laughs> um let's move on from that oh ninja turtles i forgot to say when we were talking about michael bay earlier he he said recently that um that the alien stuff was basically overstated that the turtles themselves aren't aliens that the ooze is kind of the alien thing I'm like, I don't know. Every time he talks, it gets that little bit more convoluted, but. Well, okay. This is, this is, I will say this in his, <laughs> since I'm defending Michael Bay today randomly, <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. Um, I do, yeah. I will say this, that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was born in an era when the idea of toxic waste was super present. And I think we've even talked about this before. Toxic it was just Avenger like, yeah, stuff, it, yeah, it was just like super present in the culture. It was a thing that we thought about and worried about as we should have been. Like, we don't worry about it now. We still should, but we don't cause it still exist. Yeah. Um, but I think that's maybe why they're trying to switch it up to something more relatable to the kids. Like aliens? Well, yeah, but think about it. Aliens are all around them in pop culture. Yeah. In pop culture, sure. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, w- the idea of toxic waste isn't anything that they're surrounded by, b- 
brought up thinking about nothing. Yeah. Not in pop culture, not in the media, nowhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, uh, at that point, though, isn't it basically sort of like the, the symbiote from Spidey 3? Yeah. I mean, at that point, it's not the same thing. And, yeah. and it doesn't it doesn't serve the same purpose and in it that way. And it takes the onus off society. It too. takes the onus off society. No, and I'm really being serious I mean, it here. does depoliticize it, that, it too. It depoliticizes yeah. it. And I feel like Teenage... I know this is... I'm really being serious. Like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles brought something to kids' attention in yeah. a way that they could relate to it. That was the, the era that gave us Captain Planet, right? Yeah. And all that stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Now, people don't want to hear about that now, I guess. They, right? they don't want to... Ha- they don't want to think, they don't. They, well, they don't want to... They don't want to have their preconceived political notions challenged. Don't don't we sound like a couple of old farts? I say back in my day. Well, and uh, let me also cartoons were about ooze and sludge and things that mattered. Well, do you remember? Do you remember the reaction on places like Fox News and things like that to the Lorax and oh, things? Yeah. I mean, so if oh, you. Oh no, my my uh, uh, I have family members and stuff that were very peeved that you know that there are so many messages uh political messages in in kids entertainment and look you know this is this is a an interesting debate and conversation if you guys have opinions on it shoot us emails at keep it at real at ign.com we can have a you know a greater discussion about it on on uh, uh the next podcast or a future one because i think it's a really it is an interesting conversation we have uh talked a little bit about it before but yeah the the lorax there was a big kind of backlash over it mm-hmm. but the thing is the lorax was all always had that message exactly. it wasn't like it was something that came out of the blue it's not like you're watching tom and jerry and all of a sudden they have to you know they save bl- somebody from climate change yeah you know it's but, not like that and that and that's the thing is like it's inherent in the material if they had taken it out that would have bastardized the material it would there would have been no reason to do the lorax i mean you could do yogi bear and have it be about deforestation sure you know? Yeah. <laughs> hey, boo-boo. boo-boo. Hey, boo-boo. <laughs> hey, boo-boo. Oh, boo-boo got carved up by the uh, tree wh- thing. Where's all the oxygen, boo-boo? <laughs> <laughs> Yogi, all the bees are dead. We're There's g- no honey left. <laughs> I, I feel like we're doing the, the, like, Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci version of boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, boo-boo, what? What? So, no, over there. Hey, 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 there. <laughs> I gotta go, Yogi. My mom's watching the kids. What's all the kids? Off of monoxide, huh? <laughs> um, this is terrible, you guys. We apologize. I got your park ranger right here. <laughs> um, we, I, that doesn't even make sense. Here, that's for me being a stupid we're, punster. We're correcting ourselves. That's right. Um, all right. Well, you know what? Let's uh, let's talk about uh, Pacific Rim. <gasps> How about that that CinemaCon WonderCon trailer? That that nerdgasm inducing trailer? Huh? I'm warning you right now. I'm gonna curse because this this is this is the tweet that went out. Boat bat motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> it was. I mean, and I was sitting here watching. Tell, tell it. the folks if they haven't seen the trailer what the big the boat the, bat. Even if she tells you what the payoff is, you still have to see it with your own eyes. It's not gonna spoil it. Okay, so check this out. Like I'm watching this in in the office, and I stopped and I rewatched this one moment like 15 different times because I was so <laughs> delighted with it because the robot. Picks up a freaking boat and like an oil tanker, not like a little not, dinghy. It's it's not a sun. Not a it's not boat. a sunshi- sunfish. Is what we're saying. Yeah. It's an oil tanker. Picks up the freaking boat. Turn taps it to warm it up and yeah. then hits the freaking monster with it with a boat yeah hit, right in the head hit the monster with the freaking boat 
Yep, and that's just one moment. And that's one awesome. moment. Yeah, I mean, this movie is really shaping up to be um, perhaps like the big surprise of the summer. Yeah. I'm hoping that it does as well domestically as I feel very confident it will do um, internationally. I mean, I, that that just there's nothing in that that trailer that really has to be translated. Nope. Like you know exactly you what's going it. on, and I think it's going to be no pun intended a monster hit. What is I, it? Twenty five thousand pounds of awesome. Twenty five tons. Twenty five thousand tons, tons, tons of awesome. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and and uh, you know Guillermo del Toro. I really he's an he's an awesome dude, and I'd I'd love to see him get that huge hit that will allow him to make some of these other projects. Um, that he's been trying to get done, like uh, the Mountains of Madness and yeah. things like that. Although I still think he's still going to have a tough time pulling that one off just because it's R-rated horror. I, I mean, I think this. I, I love Guillermo del Toro. I really do. And I mean, I Pan's Labyrinth is, is a movie that I thought should have been nominated for at least for an Academy Award that year. Yeah, um, well, it was wasn't it nominated for, uh, for writing, warrant. right? It was nominated. Yeah, it wasn't even nominated for Best Foreign. I think yeah, for writing. Yeah, yeah. and it, I think it should have been nominated. Like that was in a wonderful in film. the five, wonderful. And yeah. I, I adore him. It's probably I my favorite. That and Devil's Backbone are my favorites of his. Of his, yeah, definitely. In uh, Carl and I have talked about this in past podcasts. Like he's a very, he, he's like two different filmmakers in one. Whenever he does his Spanish language films, there, it, it, there's so much more adult and dark and and intelligent than like he does. Very fun Hollywood movies, but it's like a different guy. Like he really does get like one for them, one, one for, for me. me. Like he knows sort of like what hat to put on and yeah. when. I will say with and with he's Pacific the funniest fucker working in Hollywood. Yeah. Like funniest director when when he gets up on a panel. Like you don't need anyone else to come out on the panel. He is the star. Well, I will say this about Pacific Rim. I have a feeling that Pacific Rim will be because. Poor Jim knows. I think I emailed you like three months ago, and I was like, "But I'm doing Pacific Rim. I want to cover Pacific Rim." Every time it comes up, I'm like, "I'm covering it." And like, don't y'all try to jump on now that you've seen the motherfucking boat bat? Like, I was on this months ago because um, I love him, and I I also am like delighted by the idea. If you could sprout wood, your yes. wood would be as big as a boat as bat that boat. for that movie. I would be giving the trailer the boat right now. Is what would be happening? But this is the thing because. I think this is going to be the combo for for him and for them because I think it's going to have those kind of like quippy, fun, actiony Hollywood moments. I think it's it's you know Aaron Eckhart talks about this like it's very hard to do good versus evil these days, yeah. and that's fine. I like the nuance, but I do like the fact that the monsters are bad and the human operated robots good in yeah. this. Way. I, I believe that that is how it will mostly play yeah. out. Um, that's fun. And it's it's so it's so such a cinephile's film yeah. shrouded in this crazy action film because it's inspired by all these awesome early sort of monster movies. We're gonna talk. We're gonna do features about these, but yeah. monster movies and like giant robot movies and science fiction and fan. You know, I really like. There's so much that delights me about this movie, and I also think it's going to be a massive blockbuster success. I really hope so for him. And I do think he will, not at a $200 million budget, but I do then think he will have a lot more leeway. He'll have yeah. a lot more, he'll have a big bargaining chip yeah, in yeah. the form of a giant fucking robot with a boat <laughs> that hits a monster. <laughs> um, well, Chris Carl was at C2E2 in Chicago uh, uh, last weekend, Yeah. and uh, he talked to Ron Perlman uh, about Pacific Rim, but he also got to talk to him very briefly about Hellboy 3, and Ron Perlman basically was guilting 
Del Toro into saying you owe fans Hellboy three. Like they they want and deserve a third one. My mom would be so happy. Your mom's a big Hellboy fan. Huge Hellboy fan. That's so funny. That I, I funny? wouldn't peg anyone's mom as being a Hellboy she, fan. I interviewed Ron Perlman for Conan, and it was like she came out of nowhere and then like on the post as herself. Like she used See, her. See, I would have thought she'd be like a, a Beauty and the Beast fan or like a, a, what was the caveman movie he did, Quest for Fire? Like that seems yeah. more like a, a parent's. Yeah. Frame, Hellboy. Right? No, and wow. then she like she like as herself commented on the article of like it was My a video. My daughter did such a great job. No, she <laughs> didn't. She argued with Perlman about how he. She said that he was misinterpreting because I talked to him about Hellboy very briefly in the interview, and she was like, "He's misinterpreting the Hellboy character." Blah 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 blah. Did you like come in? <laughs> Shut up! Oh, I'm like, embarrassing Mom, me. What are you doing? Why <laughs> are you? Ross, Mom. Why are you? She's her real name, and she. I was just like, "Why are you like yelling at?" <laughs> Ron Perlman in the comments about Hellboy. I have to work here, she's like, damn it. She's like telling Ron Perlman that he doesn't understand the Hellboy <laughs> character. Um, let's see, some other stuff. Episode 7, a little tidbit that J.J. Abrams really wants and expects John Williams to come back to score it. Uh, I don't think that's any surprise. I know a lot of people have said, well, maybe Michael Giancchino. But um, did I say his name right? Giancchino, right? Or Gigi. Yeah. Um, I think so. Uh, but I think I, I think you have to get Williams. I'm just hoping that, you know, look, Williams is an old man, not to be a downer, but I hope he's around and able to function and work to at least. <laughs> How old is he? He's in his 80s. Yeah. You know? I, I think it's weird because there's that part of you that's like, you can't have anybody but John Williams score this film. And then you think about putting an 80-year-old man to work and you feel like kind of a jerk. You know what I mean? Like an eighty-year-old well, man should really be just chilling, in my opinion, <laughs> on like a beach. Tell that to seventy-year-old Harrison Ford. I know you can't uh, stop hit that know. crazy yeah. man though. No, no. Uh, let's see. There's some set videos going around online from different Marvel movies, both of which are filming. Spider Amazing Spider-Man Two is filming in New York. Captain America: The Winter Soldier is filming in Los Angeles. Cap Two. Uh, some set videos going around showing. Steve Rogers and uh, and Black Widow. Um, she's looking so good. She's looking. She's got a new, a, yet another hairdo. Yeah. She's she a little longer, a little straighter, kind of put it right down the middle, looking. Uh, she's kicking some butt. She's got kind of a retro thing going on too. Mm -hmm. Like she's got kind of a '70s tough chick yeah. thing going on. Like '70s female TV cop. Like or um, what's her name from the Avengers? Not. Not, that's, that's confusing. Um, not the Diana, comic. Diana Rigg. Yeah, Diana Rigg from her the... Honor Black. Well, they were both on Avengers. The British one. Yeah, the British one. Yeah. Uh, Emma Peel? Emma Peel. Thank yeah. you. So well, the, she have the like jumpsuit a, the anyways jumpsuit. is kind of... Yeah. Well, like, uh, what's her name? Uma Thurman's uh, Emma Peel in the Avengers movie is basically looks and dressed just like yeah. Black Widow like from Black the Avengers Widow. movie. Yeah. Um, it gets also confusing. Doesn't it, though? I do have to wonder if... Uh, Black Widow wasn't sort of a reaction to that character Emma from Peele. the TV show. Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, and I, I really because they're both spies and the guy. Yeah, um, what a I, great idea for a character at the time: a sexy redhead, femme fatale, good girl, bad girl, Russian spy yeah. who becomes a good guy. In I, the comics. I mean, for the 1960s, like that was a great idea. Like that really, instead of making it just a dude, no, make her an ass kicking. Female. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a great idea, and I really loved the character. I really, I really liked her a lot. I was so delighted 
in the Avengers because I, I had some faith because Joss obviously is great. Joss, like I fucking know him. <laughs> Joss Whedon is obviously wonderful in terms of creation of female characters. But I have to tell you, I was really pleased yeah. with that she had something to do, that she was interesting, that she didn't just sit there as like a prop in the film. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a danger. So I, I'm really excited that she's a big part of Cat. Yeah. she's uh, She basically, um, but there was also uh, uh, set footage of, Anthony Mackie suited up as Falcon. Now his no wings on him. He's on cables. The wings are going to be added digitally. Guns out. Guns out. He's guns ablazing against the green screen, rocking the the uh, the goggles. I guess it's much more like the Ultimates. Yeah. Falcon. So basically, he's 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 in combat uh, gear. Really, he's got uh, like gray fatigues on, and and you know he looks like a, a special ops guy. Um, who will just happen to have giant ass wings on his back? Yeah, I I don't know how that's gonna work, but I, you know, I, I like Falcon. I I I like Anthony Mackie. I mean, he's I a really cool dude. He's great in Pain and Gain too. Yeah, they're all they. Not, again, you got to go see Pain and Gain for I got to say for a Michael Bay movie, it's it's pretty good, you know. And he's great. He's really funny. I'm just saying, like as a person in person, yeah. he's very funny and very charming. But I really like him as an actor too. He was so. great in Hurt Locker. Yes, you know he was, yeah. you know he was he was really good, and then um, he was he actually came out relatively unscathed from Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Yeah, I think that <laughs> I think that the benefit of being the not central player in yeah. that case was I think that benefited him greatly. But he's a good actor, you know. He also came out pretty unscathed from, although they all did from Gangster Squad. Yeah. Um, but he's a really good actor. I I'm excited that he has this opportunity. <laughs> Um, and it, I, to me, it looks cool. Like to yeah. me, to me, he said that he actually wanted um, a, a very, a, co- a, a very comic, comic booky yeah. costume. But I, I think they've served him well to not do that. Yeah, yeah, that may have been one of those. Be careful what you wish for things. Um, also, not too comic book looking uh, stuff was. There were some set videos from Amazing Spidey Two, and it looks like it's Paul Giamatti. Basically dressed up like a Russian gangster. Mm-hmm. It could have been his stunt double with like a prosthetic, a, a prosthetic mask to look like Giamatti. But it clearly it's it it's probably the Rhino character. Now he didn't look very Rhino-like, but he had these pupilless, just black eyes, the same way that Jamie Foxx's Electro has them. Mm-hmm. So if they're all tied in with Oscorp, it looks like there is going to be some sort of visual unifying element to each of these uh villains mm-hmm. to show like he could some have been effect. in a transitional phase though too yeah he could be if it's like the ultimates where where their skin like the rhino skin starts to kind of become more mm-hmm. um animalistic or whatever yeah i mean that's what i was kind of like i to me it had that midway between stages yeah. feel to and it and it's an interesting thing too because he's got that kind of like almost cliche Russian mobster thing, like yeah. with the, the the jailhouse tats all over him, and sort of like the sweatsuit jacket, and his head is shaved. You know, he he looks like you know the kind of guy that would be named the Boris and like run shit out of a club. You know, I'm I'm pretty curious. <clears throat> you know, the first one, it's been said a million times, but it really was such the origin story done kind of again. I know they were saying like it's the Spider Man you've never seen, but it wasn't. Um, <laughs> I, I am curious to see because I do like Mark Webb, um, what this one will yield. I you know what? Um I didn't hate 
that movie the way so many others did. I just didn't feel like I needed it to. I needed more of what they didn't do and less of what they had. Exactly. You know, um, let's. Uh, oh, uh, some Marvel rumors. Um, Latino Review claims that Marvel is basically taking meetings with different actors for the role of Black Panther. Uh, with Chadwick Boseman, who's playing Jackie Robinson in the hit movie 42, being at the top of the list. Um, I'm taking that kind of with a grain of salt just because we heard about Black Panther movie stuff before and it didn't pan out. You know, maybe Black Panther will pop up in Avengers 2 and be that will be used as a springboard for his own solo film, maybe for stage three. We'll see. I mean, that's just me speculating. Um, and then let's see, also in the Marvel news tip deadline claims that allison williams who plays marnie on girls Mm -hmm. is um under consideration for a role in the fantastic four reboot at fox that would seem to be most likely the role of sue storm invisible woman um she doesn't look anything like her but hey it's just hair dye yeah well, yeah, that's true, and and Jessica Alba yeah. was not yeah. blonde either. Yeah. Um, I ju- it's interesting because I looked at her and I was like, I guess that kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. But it also doesn't in some way. I I don't know what direction he's going. I mean, the thing is, he if you look at Chronicle, you get the feeling he's probably going to take the model that so many other people are taking and try and make it a little more grounded, a little more realistic, and things. Mm-hmm. Although Marvel's really not doing that. Yeah, but um, this is Fox. But this is... I No, 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 I know. Um, so I'm saying, like, they're probably going to... Why it, not just follow the X-Men model? And, I don't and do know. it that way. Like, especially if you potentially, possibly could do a shared universe. I mean, that really does seem like, given the fact with, like, Days of Future Past, the fact that Franklin Richards, Reed and Sue's kid, becomes embroiled in the X-Men's world yeah. in the comics... And you own the rights to both Fantastic Four and X Men. Why not? Like, well, look, you're never—they're never, never going to give them back to Marvel. So you might as well do what you can and and just uh, essentially duplicate that that kind of formula. Well, my thing is that you wouldn't have hired this director, in my opinion. You wouldn't have hired this director unless you were looking for a different kind of tone. I mean, why are you going to get the guy that did Chronicle unless you want something that's more gritty or they just hired him because he had made them a hit movie about comic books and they didn't pay attention closely enough to okay because fox doesn't always have the greatest track record for attention to detail fair enough um one last news item and then we're gonna segue to mr aaron eckhart harvey dent himself and we believe in harvey dent here we believe it i'll tell you what you guys i was sitting across from him and i i really would have curled up in his chin just like a little kid one last news on him james bond 24 you know it's probably still a few years away but sam mendes and i think he was just being tongue-in-cheek but he got a lot of play he said he would be quote he he got quote physically ill just at the prospect of having to do, uh, of being offered Bond 24, because he's like, I, you know, just did Skyfall, I spent three years on it, and the idea of going right back into a room to work on the exact same characters, with the same people, again, like, no. He's, he's on to Penny Dreadful. He's a, And he's doing plays in uh, the West End, he's doing Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, you know what, I, I, I gotta hand it to him, I, he... 
he probably would have been paid uh, Michael Bay size money out the butt to out come back, con- considering he made the highest grossing Bond film of all time mm-hmm. in Skyfall. Um, but I think, you know, it's wise of him. He's got an Oscar and he's got a movie that made a billion dollars. Why not parlay both of those into doing more of what you want to do? Well, he, he, I mean, he as a producer, right, he's working on plays. He, as a producer, is working on this this um, series, Penny Dreadful, which is a, in my opinion, dreadful <laughs> name for oh, a series, no. even though really? it sounds kind of cool and interesting. Yeah. I don't know. No. It's no worse than that? American Horror Story, which sounds very generic. No, Penny Dreadful, because you and I know what they mean. It me he means by Penny Dreadful. How many people just randomly on the street do you think you they know what? will fact, after not, the show comes we're not out? Gonna, you know what? In fact, in the comments, if you know why he named this series, it's about Penny Dreadful. Just take a guess. Wonderful. Oh, they're just gonna Google it. They're, they're gonna, just gonna cheat. Google it. You bastards. Yeah. Cheaters. Don't be asses. I'm not Take saying, a guess. And I'm not saying that because, like, oh, because I think that, by the way, that sounded like, oh, because we're so, you know, smart or whatever. But no, I'm, it, I'm, look, we're both dumb as a bag of hammers. Bag of socks. <laughs> no. We're, we're maybe dumb as a bag of, I don't know. We, exactly. <laughs> See? I can't even dumb. finish that. <laughs> I can't even insult myself. That's exactly. so dumb. Uh, all right, guys. Well, we're going to um, bring an Aaron Eckhart and... Uh, we will catch up with you after the fact. Um, just to give you a little heads up, after we speak to Mr. Eckhart, since Roth and I have both seen Iron Man 3, and probably by the time this podcast goes up, many of you probably will not have, um, we're going to have a little bit of a spoilerish chat about certain elements of Iron Man 3. What we're going to do is we're going to talk to Mr. Eckhart, we're going to Talk about what's opening up this weekend, namely Iron Man 3, and how much we think it's going to make. And, all of the money. And yes, all the money. And then we're going to get into a spoiler chat, and we'll, we'll be very clear and, and you know distinct about when that discussion will happen. So if you guys want to just listen to the rest of the podcast, and then come back and listen to the Iron Man 3 kind of spoilerish chat after you've seen the movie, we just we don't want to drop it on you and 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 lose a a listener because we were being thoughtless. So, without further ado, let's bring in Mr. Aaron Eckhart. Hey everybody, welcome to uh, the IGN Movies Podcast with our very special guest, none other than Definitely. Aaron Eckhart. And the crowd Thank you, thank wild. you. You have to speak have to or they won't myself. thank you. Yes. Otherwise <laughs> they wouldn't really believe you were here. I know. Speaking. We, we've had people think that, you know, oh, that's not really Cheech and Chong. And yeah. we had Cheech and Chong in here recently. They're on the same day as Rob Zombie, which was a very wow. oddball back-to-back guest thing. Amazing. But it was pretty amazing. Can you smoke dope in here? <laughs> this, this is a clean environment, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that he's Aaron Eckhart has already, our bell is our little co-star <laughs> in the Ring show. Ring your bell. He has already discovered the bell and is enjoying it. <laughs> I love that. So we're here, to, we're going to talk about, uh, you have a new movie out, and known in the States as Erased. I believe in the UK it's The Expatriate, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I saw the film last night. I really enjoyed it. You play Ben Logan. And uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, predicament, the pickle that old Ben finds himself in in this well, picture. Ben is an ex-CIA agent um, who has been working uh, covertly all around the world, uh, presumably, uh, and he's neglected his family. And now he's uh, not working for the CIA anymore. He's uh, working for another firm. And uh, his daughter, his 15-year-old daughter, wants to come back and live with him. So he's getting to know his daughter and getting her off to school and 
you know, figuring out what makes her tick. And at the same time, he takes her into work one day and uh, his work is gone. Everything is gone. Everything is erased. You know, his credit cards, his Blackberry. Uh, nobody knows who he is. Um, it's kind of like working for Rupert Murdoch. Then, yeah, that is that, is that, <laughs> we would know that at one time. <laughs> I'm right? sorry. You've been erased. <laughs> there we go. Let's Correct <laughs> yourself. Thank yeah, you. Let's, right. let's, let's keep it clean. <laughs> and, um, and for now. Yeah, for now. And then, um, and then people try to kill him and, you know. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> now, I thought you were, you, you had some really badass fight moves going on in there. I, was this sort of a project you, you saw that you're like, look, I want to do my sort of born taken style action thing where I just go out there and you see me taking guys apart? Yeah, I mean, that's not, wasn't my first consideration. The first consideration for me was um, uh, the father daughter relationship. I thought that was cool. Getting to know, um, uh, a younger person under duress in these uh, fantastic circumstances, you know, having to survive together and get to know each other at the same time, I thought was a good uh, 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 story. I wanted to shoot in Europe. I wanted to make a smaller budgeted action movie. I grew up in the 70s. I grew up in, uh, you know, action was um, running. It was um, using your fists. It was uh, car chases. And so this movie had sort of all of those elements and for um, a lower budget. And also it was shooting in Europe. Um, and that's what made me do the movie. You know, the, the, the fight scenes I wanted to do myself because I wanted to, I want the audience to see that I'm doing it. I've trained. I'm putting everything into this movie um, and give the audience a, a better experience. So um, that was important to me. And I beat the crap out of myself, you know. <laughs> two, two days before we started filming, I was hitting another actor and um, caught his arm with my thumb and bent my thumb back to my arm and ripped all my ligaments in my thumb. Now, you weren't just randomly beating up another actor. This was actually no, that was the actually part no, of the No, he said movie. something about my mama. <laughs> That's a right. yo mama joke. Yo, he said a yo mama joke, and I said, <laughs> that, that, that do. don't fly with me. That shit <laughs> no, don't fly. That car don't roll like <laughs> that. No. Could, I love my mama. Don't play that. No. <laughs> there's kind of a resurgence, though. I, I feel like there's a little resurgence of the 70s style sort of raw or action films maybe a little i mean i guess maybe just with a haywire and so forth yeah that sort of handheld camera too like that you you know you see a, a lot in in erased and you know i think born helped bring that yeah, back and sure. that that kind of french connection vibe of like you yeah, are there kind too, of thing. i mean the uh, people love to see this genre of film i mean there's a such a huge appetite not only in this country but you know internationally and that's where most of the money is coming from by the way anyway so um you know, and if you're going to do it in this genre, if you're, you know, either it's going to be a $150 million movie or there's really no other market for it. I mean, they're not making the 50, 60, 70 million dollar movie. They did with Olympus Has Fallen, mm -hmm. and that was a, um, a, a hit, you know. Um, but you it know, looked like a $100 million movie, though. Did that it? was the thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I didn't get a chance to interview you for that, but that was a picture I really enjoyed and was, I was very happy that. Um, you know, I know that there are the two competing White House movies this year, and I was really glad that your film was the one that now has kind of set the bar for the other one to have to follow because I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Antoine and of, of the cast, and uh, I knew that they, they were like, you know, in that neck-and-neck neck race, and I'm like, mm -hmm. please let Olympus is falling be the one I get out will, first because I really like those the guys. Other one? Will you go see White House Down? Uh, let sneak in there. Let's see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even seen Olympus. Are you what? They paid you. You gotta see that, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> you are. You're really great in it. You're the I don't, president. I don't man. see my movies usually. Re really? Yeah. What? 
Yeah. Did you see the... Wait a minute, really? Did you see The Dark Knight? Uh, I did see that, yeah. Okay, that yeah, one you saw. Chris set up a special screening for me. Um, did you like it? Oh, yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> It'd did. be awful if you said, no, man, I didn't what like crap, that one at all. <laughs> You'd break that's, all our hearts. That's really, so, but generally speaking, you just won't watch them. Well, it's uh, I've learned through uh, experience that my life is generally happier if I don't if I don't watch the movies. You know, I mean, I'm pretty critical on myself, and and uh, um, you know, there's a there's a history of actors that don't see their films. You know, it's nothing against the filmmakers or or whatever it is. It's just um, you know, I have the experience of making the movie myself, and I cherish that experience and everything that we went through as a family and as a group. But, uh, you know, after an actor leaves a movie, he really releases, you know, uh, you know, any sort of ownership of the film, you know, in terms of uh, editorially or, you know, uh, the tone of the film or whatever it is. So, you know, now I'm starting to produce movies and star in them and act in them and direct in them. And, um, and that, I definitely will obviously have a, a, a bigger stake in an ownership stake and uh, have a bit, might have more skin in the game. So that'll be a different story. Now, is that a, a recent thing that you wanted to do, or has that always been a kind of a, a lifelong kind of career goal for you to get into producing and directing your own work? Well, um, I don't think any of this has been career goal. Uh, acting certainly has. That's I figured that out when I was 13 that I wanted to do that, and I started uh, doing theater when I was 13. All this other stuff has just come out of uh, basic. Um, you know, necessity, really. It's, it's look, if I want to do the things that I want to do and I want to do them the way that I want to do them, then I'm going to have to do it myself and do it with people who have uh, share my sensibility. And I'm going to live or die by that as well. You know, and I haven't proved myself yet, but uh, um, that's what I'm working toward. That's uh, what gets me up in the morning. What's, what's, what's sort of the ideal goal for you? I mean, what kind of films do you want to be producing ultimately well uh as i get older i want to make movies that people want to watch that we see and i want to make <laughs> things that resonate with people like films that that resonated with me when i was a kid like rocky like um you know f movies about people and their issues and and the human dynamics you know um movies like erased in the f in, in 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 the respect that you know um it doesn't rely too much on you know computers and green screens and stuff like that but also very entertaining i'm doing a movie now um, that's going to take place in uh, Colombia, and it's about uh, a family that's uh, traveling on the high seas, and something happens to them, and the father has to go into hell to get his daughter back. Oh, wow. And um, I'm not breaking new ground with it, but it's a it's a it's a nightmare movie. Is and it about piracy and stuff? It has a, it involves some of that, and but it's just issues that uh, well, you know, I I don't think the I don't think anybody would ever get bored of. Uh, a father taking care of his daughter or mm -hmm. a loved one or a mother taking care of their child or, you know, it's just, that's, you know, our typical stuff, you know, it's finding yourself and what you're capable of and, and it has to do with courage. And, um, you know, uh, that's the movies that I want to make. Well, there is, I mean, yeah. just the, that, I think the patriarch though, I do think that the father going after the daughter, I will speak for myself with this, yeah. that there's something about that, that I just love. I can't get enough of it. I mean, that's why I loved the man on fire. Mm -hmm. Wasn't, he wasn't literally her father, but he was the father figure yeah. mm -hmm. and why we love taken. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, that probably my favorite element of a race was the father daughter relationship. And she's a real find. Tell us about mm. the the young actress who plays your daughter in the film, Leanna. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, audition, I auditioned some actors, and um, she was the she had the, was the total package. Now you're talking about a 15 year old girl that uh, not only can act but is composed on the set. She's around 50 adults for 12 hours a day for months on end. 
Um, these kids are just so smart and so together. Um, that was great. And then getting to know her, nurturing that relationship, building trust with her where she could, you know, actually not look at me as like this old weird dude. You know what I mean? Because whenever you're with kids on a set, you're like, what are you telling me that for? <laughs> well, I'm always like, when, when I see younger actors, it makes me feel bad about how I was at 50. And I'm like... Jeez, I didn't have the wherewithal no. to do any of that crap. That's what I'm saying. But it's eerie. You know? it's like, like, does it does it get a little eerie for you working with them? Because they're also like preternaturally no. smart and mature. And, and they're it's like, weird. you've lived two lifetimes already <laughs> and yeah. you're 15. I'm like, oh, man. It's, it's, <laughs> they don't get irritable. They take everything in stride. They see plays and thank you. Um, they're grateful. They can act. They cry on will. You know, uh, I did a movie called No Reservations with Abigail Breslin. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, this yeah. girl knocked my socks off. I mean, everybody in every day was in awe of her. Not only what she was doing on screen, but how she, how she her demeanor, you know, and um, uh, Leanna was the same way. Yeah. I have a cute little anecdote about Abigail Breslin was she was, you know, nominated, um, or I believe, at least this is when Little Miss Sunshine was going on. She was going to the Oscars. I can't remember if she was nominated she was. for Best Supporting. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's Oscar Sunday, and I happen to be in, Larchmont Village getting pizza, and she's in there. She's supposed to be at the uh, in the Oscars in just a few hours, <laughs> and she's getting pizza with her mom. I was like, Gee, "What good. a nice, normal kid!" Like this is like you know we're so used to hearing about people going off the rails. I'm like, now there's a kid with like a good, solid, healthy kind of you know life yeah. going on right there. Yeah. Um, but let's let I want to ask you about um, uh, you know you you've had a great balance of leading man stuff. And then these kind of meaty supporting roles. Which one do you find kind of more, I guess, rewarding? I know this is kind of a broad question, but, you know, look, an Olympus has fallen. You are the president. But, you know, it's kind of Gerard who has to sort of it's carry Jerry, the movie. It's Jerry's movie. You know? I, is I, that I, kind of a relief that you're like, ah, okay, I don't have to be in every scene. I can get a day off. No. Can, you know? uh -uh. No? Uh -uh. You want to be there put, in the thick of it. Put it on me. Put it on my shoulders. I I want to work i want to be in every scene i want to uh take on the movie um you know just as jerry does you know jerry doesn't want to give up any scenes you know um uh and i certainly don't either and uh i know you know the big boys don't you know and uh um i love to act uh, that's what i have been dreaming for my entire life i it's so funny because i i i come up against this all the time with young actors and and you know they they i'm sitting there and they say you know do, do you need me for off camera or something like that i'm like Dude, wait a second. Let me put this in perspective. You've wanted your entire life to act, and you've begged to be in this movie. Why would you ever want to take one take off? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And I've been doing this for many, many years. Um, I don't want a day off. I want to uh, get in there and make the best movie I possibly can. Um, that that you know. That being said, I'm an actor. I'll do what I'm told, and you know, I'm I'm working for uh, my director. That's who I'm working for. And so I'll do whatever he says. But uh, when the opportunity comes along to do a movie like Erased or I'm in Frankenstein, I Frankenstein next or whatever it is, you know, I, I want to live and live and die. I'd rather live and die by, you know, on my shoulders than somebody else's. Do you just I'm just so curious, just to circle back really quickly. Do you feel like watching them? Because I find that fascinating. Do you feel like watching yourself will put you in your head so that on the next project, you'll be thinking about little ticks or things that you ought not to be thinking about? rather than being in the moment or the character? Uh, 
you, you know what? It's it's there's two ways to think about this. You could think about if you're looking at a sports analogy, you could say, well, you got to go back after Sunday on a Monday. You look at tape, and you look at tape to see your mistakes and what you can do better next week. Um, there is that, and you can learn from that. Um, it's it's um, I don't know. It's it's I think that it's. Uh, it's easier if I don't have to remember, you know, uh, I don't know what, if that makes sense. Um, I just feel like, um, I'm, I don't know why I can't explain it to you, but my life is easier and that's all I have to say. (laughs) 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 It's not so much about anything else. It's just that I don't have a heart attack and it's really gets to the level when I'm seeing these movies that, you know, everything that I, because you have expectations of these movies. And when you're reading a script, you're reading the perfect movie because it's in your head. Or when a book, you're reading the perfect thing, and so often I come out of these movies, I just say we didn't we didn't do it. It's not up there. It we we fell short, and it's literally because I care so much about these movies, it kills me. It really does, and um, you, I can barely even talk about it. You know, it's uh, they they mean so much to me, and um, it's a good chunk of your life too that you've oh, devoted to oh, it, no, and you know other opportunities maybe you walked away from to do that one and. So, yeah, I can imagine emotionally, like, it's like any relationship, you know, I guess if once once you break up, maybe it's not good to go back and, you know, yeah, revisit this, it. I think it. that movie making, you get the impression that, oh, it's just this and you go to a party afterwards and, you know, it's all, you know, cupcakes and, you know. That's our party. job, actually. Yeah, that's <laughs> all we do. Yeah. We go to the party after. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and he's like, and with that. He's out. <laughs> We're kidding. Slave, Dave. I would love to have a cupcake right now. <laughs> really? Yeah, I would. We actually. We Why might, can, can you not? Can you? Can, you have to you like watch there, everything. There are none in front of me. Are, oh, okay. We have I we have some birthday cake out know. there for somebody. I think we, <laughs> we, we can we hook do. you up with some stuff. We look, IGN. We're not we're not missing any meals here. Well, you you All might right? have to, as you can tell. <laughs> I mean, look, you might we are, have to do some some intense training. We don't know if you have the every two hours breast a chicken diet going on. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that let's pain see. and gain I, kind of diet where yeah. they're like you eat ten meals a day, and I'm like, oh my god. I do have I do. I work, I do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So tell tell me about uh, tell us about uh, I Frankenstein. It's a comic book, um, and it's uh, it's kind of an updated take on on the classic, right? Yeah. It's uh, the historical figure of the monster Frankenstein. Victor Frankenstein's in it, so that it's loosely loosely based on Mary Shelley's. But then it's uh, brought into contemporary times in this fantastical world. So it's a movie about good and evil, about gargoyles and demons, and it's about a monster trying to find his soul and his place in, in this world. And he happens to be uh, uh, an expert at uh, the Filipino art of Cali stick fighting at the same time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Which, for the audience, it's uh, two and a half foot rattan um, sticks or any stick that you pick up in the street. And it's being able to, uh, you know, dispatch of uh, soulless people without, uh, uh, you know, with, with these sticks. Break so any knuckles. So he's a, he's oh. a limber, limber. Fr- he's not a he's not a, a stiff no, no, monster. Yeah. He's no, a limber Frankenstein. No bolts in the head. Sans yeah. sans bolts. What about any like scarring things like that? Yeah, there's scarring, scarring nice. on the face and the body, um, and there's an old and the new uh, look because it's, some of it does take place in old times, and then it's oh nice, some of okay, place in new times. So you get that flavor. And um, it's, you know, me doing all the fighting in the movie, all the Cali stick fighting. I trained for six months uh, every day doing stick fighting. Um, so I got that. And uh, everybody's really good in the movie. We filmed in Australia. It's, uh, I'm the only American in the film. Uh, everybody else is Australian or whatever. 
and uh, it was all st- Australian uh, stunt crew and an interesting movie. It's a it's um, it's a movie that I think will you cannot prepare for in, in, <laughs> conceptually. In other words, you just have to see it. <laughs> uh, to to time to tra- time travel, or like how do you, yeah? How does your character? Can you, is that too big of a spoiler? No. That's an interesting question. How do I answer that? Since I'm not here for I Frankenstein, I'm not equipped to answer that. Uh, <laughs> it has to do with the fact that the monster might not die. Dun, dun, dun. Nice. I couldn't possibly say. <laughs> <laughs> you understand. I do. Yeah, um, no, it has more for that sort of thing. I mean, the convention you'll have to see in the movie, but uh, yeah, it's a guy who, and sort of, you know, cursed, you know, with. Uh, <coughs> You know, because the monster Frankenstein, his father, when he was born, called him an abortion, an aberration. He's, you know, he's uh, got no love in his life. He's unworthy. You know, children, you know, run and scream at the sight of him. And um, so what what worse punishment than to roam the earth uh, for eternity with this sort of uh, sickness and not finding love and not finding your soul? And that's what the movie's about. So it's a real real reworking. Sounds like my life. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny you said that because the movie is geared toward more of um, you know a teenage demographic, right? But if you think of teenagers, you know, uh, on the inside, teenagers at one point or another in their development are always thinking they're unworthy, mm-hmm. that they're they're ugly, that they they don't have any purpose on earth, that everybody hates them, you know. And really, this Frankenstein is is in a uh, a physical realization of those thoughts, you know, both on the inside and the outside. And uh, it's how he gains personal acceptance. And um, so I hope it resonates on that level for people to see the movie. Now, I, I do want to uh, ask you a little bit because uh, obviously huge, huge Batman fans here in the office and our readership. Um, uh, obviously, we all love Dark Knight. You know, it's, to me, it's the best comic book movie ever made. And it just happens to be a great movie, too. Uh, also a huge Two-Face fan. I always have been. Um, now that Warner Brothers is trying to figure out where do we kind of go now, do you have any thoughts or suggestions about where you'd like to see the Batman franchise go in the future now that it's going to be Nolan-free? You know? Yeah, that's um, – well, we're going to – it's like AD, you know, yeah. BC, Nolan-free. Um, you know, I, I I think what Chris did with it and I think what is – you know, look, I mean, Iron Man is so successful. And the tone of Iron Man is completely different from the, the from the Batman series, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and so they're both very successful, right? And both entertaining. Um, you could take Batman that way and and make Batman, but you know, Chris has done such hard work and worked, you know, created this tone, and Christian has, and and, and Heath, and everybody that's been in these movies. I'd I'd, I'd hate to see it be trivialized, trivialized. And um, so whoever takes it, I hope. Uh, I mean, I don't mind the direction they take it in, but, you know, the seriousness of Batman. I think Batman's special because it's one of the last comic books or only comic books that's truly tackling, in my opinion, issues, you know, and relevant issues. I mean, when I read The Dark Knight, I go, this is a comic book movie? I mean, this is insane. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking about 
uh, a city that uh, is being taken over by corrupt forces and nobody will stand up for for good and for decency and humanity and nobody can walk the streets at night and who wants to live in that city and you know do the people really have to be vigilantes to to set things right you know and who's going to be that person and you know serious issues here and it wasn't tongue-in-cheek yeah. and that's where Heath was just so amazing in this movie it was like you know, I said to Gary, like, Gary, how do you act in these things? You know, what's the tone of it? You know, that's a conversation I had with Chris. And to see Heath just take this thing deadly serious was exciting. And I feel privileged yeah. to have been a part of that. And um, I would hate to lose that tag because everybody that comes up to me on the street all over the world, you know, what, the, the thing that they inevitably say about The Dark Knight is that it's about something. It's serious. It resonates with them. And um, so, you know, I, I, I mean, look, I don't know because I'm just an actor, but uh, I don't know that Chris would ever give up total control of this franchise. I mean, we, we all kind of hope he doesn't. <laughs> you know, it's always rumored that there will be, you know, he'll act as a producer, oh, if anything, sure. moving forward, if this yeah. character moves forward, and whether it be a Justice League movie or... Uh, I, I, yeah. I can't see Chris ever letting go of this movie. I mean, it, it's, felt, it's you, a you decade of his life went into that thing. Did you see, happen to see the, the last one, the one that came out last no, year? I didn't see it. Yeah, it's, it's, um, uh, it's interesting because I feel like it's very similar... In in uh, terms of story elements to the very first one to Batman Begins, making Dark Knight even more of that standalone sort of 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 film. Um, but it's 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 a great like to journey when you watch the three of them together of mm. of this guy and the people he meets along the way. And you're actually even though you don't you, your in picture effigy. appears in it. Well, Harvey effigy, Dent is is a huge part of Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, the character. Did well, you know your photos like all over it, and you're mentioned all the time? Um, uh, or well, your I was talking to my bank manager. <laughs> I'm thinking, and, you know, and, uh, I mentioned I said no. check out the checks. On um, <laughs> I, I actually didn't. Um, uh, I didn't know that and I didn't tell people. I obviously. think actually it opens with Harvey Dent with like Harvey Dent Day and all it that. It opens with Harvey Dent Day. We're going to get a call from Warner Brothers directly after this. They're like, why did you tell him? <laughs> why did you tell him? <laughs> well, Millions of people I, I, around the world I, I, saw I, it. I, I didn't know it when they were making the movie. In other words, yeah. Chris didn't, you know, I, you know, call me or tell me about it, but, uh, I like that. I like that uh, people, um, you know, uh, will come up to me and say, "I believe in Harvey Dent or yeah. whatever." Dark, Dark Knight. I, I like that. I'm happy to be. A, I'm proud to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, now I feel like I have to go out and you know do my own thing and make my own movies and right. and, uh, and and create because that's you know why we do this kind mm -hmm. of stuff. You know, you, your office is in here. You know, with all these comic book heroes and you know i grew up watching batman and pow and the green lantern and and all that sort of stuff it's a part of my adolescence and uh so these movies affect people yeah so two-part two question do you at all wish you would have had a little more time to play two-face that character versus the harvey or was the harvey dent journey good for you were you more interested in that uh let's see there's i can't even, i don't know how much i can talk about this um but uh um Look, I tell you what, when I read the script, when Chris said, you know, Chris brought me onto, into his office and he said, you know, what do you think about reading this, you know, Batman movie? And I said, yeah, I'll do that. He says, what do you think about being Harvey Dent? And I was like, okay. And I thought, well, you have the Joker in it. You have Gary. You have, uh, you know, Batman. And I thought, well, there's just going to be no part for me. I'll, I'll be in the movie. I'll be an extra in the movie, you know, and be a part of it. 
And I went home, and, and they came to my house, and somebody dropped off the script and waited in my driveway. And uh, as I read the script, and I thought, wow, this guy's beginning to end. Harvey Dent's in this movie. It's a real character. And it has an arc, and he's crucial and uh, integral to the, to the plot, which surprised me, which is a testament to Chris's writing. And, um, you know, I'll tell you what. I like Harvey Dent, and I like Harvey Dent for what he stands for. He stands for the citizens for truth and honesty, integrity, justice. He's trying, he's one of the only um, people who's willing to fight crime, you know, besides Batman. Um, he loves his city. These are all things that I care about, you know. I um, I, I like Two-Face, um, uh, you know, but I like what Harvey Dent stands for. And I like, believe, I believe in Harvey Dent. I, I like that he had the, enough courage to, to stand up on his own and to to look, um, you know, um, corruption in the eye. And I feel like what I was saying before about these movies, you know, um, you know, being models for young people, I think Harvey Dent really is the model. I think Two-Face is... He's the cautionary tale part of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I don't think Harvey... You know, I don't think Harvey flips a coin. I think he knows intuitively what is right and wrong, you know, and um, I like that about Harvey Dent, too. He's very, he's concrete in his beliefs, and uh, I think today, uh, uh, w you know, it's hard to be that, you know, in, in this world today because I think it's a, it's a more fluid world, you know, mm -hmm. um, and Harvey, Harvey's world, it's, uh, he, you know, uh, sort of more black and white, and I, I like that. Um, I'm more old-fashioned that way. Um, so I, I like it. I, 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 there's some things I would do differently if I did that movie again today, um, but uh, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, and you know, it'll go on and evolve, and somebody else will play Two Face, and we'll see what the, see what we get. Let me let me uh, last question about about Two Face, and then I want to circle back. Um, but you were telling me an anecdote in the elevator ride up about the coin. Uh, do you mind telling the uh, listeners about the little anecdote about Two Faces Coin and who yeah. ended up with it? Yeah, I was. Uh, I did a movie called The Rum Diary, and I was in Puerto Rico. And uh, um, uh, Johnny Depp and I were. Um, I don't know if we what we're doing somewhere on the set one day, and and uh, and Johnny said to me, he goes, Aaron, uh, did what happened to that uh, coin uh, that you got for Two Face? You know, the coin that Two Face flipped. And I said, Oh yeah, well, you know, gave it back. Warner Brothers have it. He goes, Oh yeah. He goes, no, they don't. I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, my kids saw. He said, my kids saw uh, Dark Knight and loved Two Face so much, so I bought him the coin. <laughs> <laughs> he loved Two Face or Harvey Dent, the kid, because I'm starting to worry then. Well, uh, <laughs> more probably Two Face, yeah. <laughs> the villain. Yeah, okay. he liked the coin, you know, yeah. and so. Um, I never, it never occurred to me what to do with the, to grab the coins, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm glad it's in good hands. Um, yeah. I, I want to ask about, uh, so you, you're producing your own stuff now with an eye towards directing it. Um, are you looking to uh, only produce films that you will also star in? Would you ever think about um, producing television series? I mean, uh, HBO and Showtime are in AMC. I mean, they're offering wonderful entertainment to people now i mean do you do you see yourself kind of doing your acting here and then doing producing stuff for other folks like i know mark Wahlberg does that uh, yeah he's a great model yeah uh, and ben affleck and, mm -hmm. and george clooney and oh, yeah. all the actors and 
Sean Penn. Um, <laughs> I, yes, I mean, of course I think about that, and I come up with ideas all the time. The problem with it is that it's a huge machine. Yeah. And I'm a quiet person. I'm a pretty <laughs> private, quiet guy. I'm a normal guy. I, I um, you know, I've, I'm still trying to find my place in Hollywood and, and how I want to fit into Hollywood. And, you know, I'm just an actor. I like to act and, um, yeah, you know, so I, I, I probably make more intimate personal movies. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't mind getting out of acting altogether, and, you know, and not acting. And, uh, really? Yeah, and just, uh, but of course, you know, who knows? I could be a terrible director, you know. I mean, the thing about directing is storytelling, you know, and, and that's where the gold is, you know, excuse me. So if you could be a good storyteller, then, and I don't know, you know, I um, I don't know if I am. So we'll see. I, I need to test myself. I'd rather, when I'm on my deathbed, I'd rather say that, you know, I did, I tried, you know. Because right. um, I can always uh, come back to acting or work in a gas station or, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. I don't think it'll come to that. Don't well, worry about that. Well, if you're trying, you know, you mentioned that you you had you you had these sort of idols and these you you paid attention to comic books and and that's certainly a big area for actors right now. Is there anything like that you'd like to tackle? Is there another character besides Two Face? Well, who's left? Who's left? There's so many. Mar- Mar- look, Marvel Look, Marvel is like the new Marvel's, Pixar in that they're know. they're everything they're putting out it kind of turns to gold. Sure. And um, you know they've already had. Uh, you you know, could be Rocket Raccoon. You could be the voice of Rocket Raccoon. He has no idea who Rocket Raccoon is. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. I would like to be the voice of somebody because, yeah, I, yeah, I love that. I love doing uh, voices and voiceovers and stuff. You know, I would. I, I If I did it, um, you know, it would have to be I, – I, I would have to be down and dirty. Mm-hmm. You know, it would have to be intense. It would have to be dangerous and – uh, you know, the tongue-in-cheek, tongue it's just, I just don't, I'm not good at it, you know. Um, so if somebody wanted to go dark and meaningful, I would I would jump on board. Because to me, it's not a comic book movie. If you're talking about iconic, archetypical issues, mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't matter if it's to a, a, a droid or a, or a car or whatever. You can, you know, you know or, or whatever it is, you know. Like, if you were to do, like, the Green Lantern, that was a favorite of mine when I was growing up, or... Uh, you know, I want to see these guys deal with serious issues, and I want to deal with sex, and I want to deal with love and family issues. And I think Chris was going there for, you know, in 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 the Batman series. You know, um, now I'm not saying being irreverent to the material, but I'm saying make this person a whole person, make us understand him mm-hmm. on levels that we understand as human beings, and therefore it will resonate more towards us. I wanna I want to go. I don't want you to forget about what you saw the, the second you walked out of the theater. I mean, that's not why comic books were written. Nope. Comic books were written to um, to highlight, you know, uh, and to uh, uh, how should I say it? I mean, they're 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 the dark the dark side and to 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 highlight um, the dark side of human nature and and good and evil and all this sort of stuff. I mean, every comic book you read deals with very heavy issues and the grimaces and the faces on these people, and yet you see the movies and I'm not seeing the grimaces. Yeah. I'm not seeing the faces. I'm not seeing the torture that these comic books and these artists go through. You know, and. Um, you know, and the sex I'm not seeing either, by the way. <laughs> and there's certainly and a lot of that in yeah, comics. And there yeah, and there's a lot of that in comics. It's very clean in the in the movies. Well, you know. I think they're you know, they're they're, they're going for their, their PG or their 
PG-13. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it has to be, you know, nudity and all that, but I'm... I, I am. <laughs> well, you know, it would be interesting anyway. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, you know. Well, if you took a comic book that didn't have so much heat on it, like one of the big boys, and you took it and you went under the radar with it and you made it, you know, I think that would find an audience, you know. Well, uh, let's talk, you know, a lot of folks now are using Kickstarter to to great effect, and, and, and it's getting a lot of publicity of late, um, is kind of crowdsourcing, going to your fans to essentially, in a way, partner with them in the making of a, of a project. Is that something that would appeal to you? Well, uh, you know, I'll tell you why. Of course it is. I think it's a great uh, resource. I don't think, I think that if you make a movie and you tell a story that people want to tell, people want to pay for it. I don't, money's not a problem. You know what I'm saying? Money's a problem for a bad script because nobody wants to invest in it because it's a bad script. Nobody wants to see it. If you're writing good scripts, you're writing scripts that are, you know, what they call four-quadrant scripts or right up the middle and they're, they have all the elements, you're not going to have a problem finding money because there's a lot of money out there that wants to finance movies because there's a lot of return on these films. So, um, you know, of course, look, I'm not saying it's a perfect world, it's, but you're going to find the money, especially for the budget I'm talking about making these movies with. So, um, um you know, if I were to make a movie that were on the edge, on the periphery, that were that was, um, you know, uh, the subject matter wasn't mainstream, then I would maybe go to Kickstarter. Or if I wanted to, like, I, I have a ranch, you know, in Montana. You know, I could make horror films to the day I died on this piece <laughs> of property. <laughs> Scares the shit out of me. And I, you know... <laughs> and that was Aaron Eckhart actually <laughs> ringing the cursing bell himself. I know. He, he, he the man learns the rules fast. I, I love that. Uh, I'm just, I'm really just a rat. Uh, so, you know, it's, um, I, I do like that. I do like that. I, I, um, but I, I think I'm too far along for that. Yeah. You know, I feel that's a great thing for kids that are starting out and people that are starting out. And uh, I, I have I have access access to all that sort of stuff. So it's just about coming up with the story. That's very thoughtful of you, and that's an interesting approach. Uh, you know, it's just it's, it's been something that's debate. been talked about a lot in the last few months because of some very notable projects that have used Kickstarter. And so it's it's very refreshing to hear somebody say like, I I wouldn't have to do it if I didn't want to unless it was something, sure. you know. I kind of like that approach. I feel like a lot of folks have been just sort of like running to to the – this is just my own personal fan. Like basically they could find other ways to, to finance some things, and I feel like why should – the well, guy on the street have to necessarily do they're it. They're just trying to maintain control. They're trying to stay outside yeah. of any financing so that they have the final cut and the final control. And that, is, yeah. that is admirable. You also have to honor your material and go, I got a really damn good piece of material here. I expect people to fight over this material. Yeah. You know, I don't want to give any, you know, I don't, I'm not going to give anything up. I mean, I know what I got because I did it. And, um, I'm not asking the world to do it either. You know, that's another thing is like y people have the impression that, you know, you have to ask for the world, you know, um, you don't. And uh, sometimes your limitations are your strength, you mm -hmm. know, and and the imagination will trump everything. So especially in these, I mean, sometimes we're just getting too much money into these damn movies, you know, and uh, we should, you know, use our imaginations more and our human uh, resources more, 
you know, and have a better uh, audience experience, you know. It is astounding how many problems could be solved on paper. That are Which doesn't really cost yeah. until it's <laughs> like, oh, we're in post-production, now we have to save the movie. And it's like, really? It's just or the worst is when a, somebody comes out of a movie and says, I didn't understand that story. We just spent $250 million, $150 million, whatever it is, and the story didn't make sense. It, that just doesn't make sense to me. Do it the animation way. Storyboard it and screen yeah. it first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, well, and start with a script. Well, sure, start <laughs> yeah. with a script. But that, it's, that would be good. But it's such an easy. It's such a you know. It's it's you know. I don't know how many movies I've personally made where the script was not delivered when we were making the movie, yeah. and um, and you're making it up on the fly, and then inevitably the the movie is is not as good as it could be. Now I, we have time for uh, one one last question. I just want to ask you. Uh, um, in general, you, you mentioned uh, the project uh, you have coming up where you're playing the dad and the, the high C stuff going on. What what other projects can you tell us about that you have coming up? Well, there's I, Frankenstein, which is coming out, I think, end of the year, next year, January or something in, um, mm -hmm. in January. Yeah. And, uh, and then I'm uh, sitting. I'm sitting and waiting and choosing. I've just read something this week. I read two scripts this week that I think that I would like to do um, uh, and they're both um, hardcore uh, movies actors movies that are um, you know gonna take me to the to the brink I think action or drama wise uh, uh, well the good thing about one of them is uh, drama wise you know that it, it, but on the, but it also has all the intrigue of action the other one's just a flat-out balls to the wall full-on action movie it's made nice. by people who know how to make action so that's that's exciting. That's awesome. Uh, but really, after Olympus, um, I made I Frankenstein Olympus, and I just wanted to sit back and try to do my own thing. You know, um, you got to get your bearings in this business, or else you just you'll you know it's one thing to the next to the next to the next, and you lose ten years of your life. Yeah. You know, and I've already done that. You know, I'm for in my forties, forty-five, and I feel like I've lost my thirties. You know, I so I'm trying to take a little bit of time for myself, and and um, you know, try to see what you know, relationships are all about. <laughs> well, we'll give you, before we let really? you go, I'll give you one small correction about, I've seen you be very funny in movie. I thought, I thought like, yeah, thank you for smoking. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. No, I'm not saying I could. Did I say I couldn't be funny? <laughs> you, said you, were, you said that that doesn't work. Well, yeah. I'll tell I you think you've been hilarious in this podcast. <laughs> exactly. I think we should we should have filmed this and released it. We'll, we'll kickstart this sucker. And, you know, it's uh, about being funny in movies. It's, you, you but you're playing the writing straight, right. you're playing the plot straight. I'm a I'm a good straight man, you know. Whereas uh, I'm not a you know I'm not a joker in that right. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it takes good writing to make me funny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, tell tell folks uh, where they can see uh, Erased. It's it's Erased is um, uh, May uh, May fourteenth. Uh, uh, okay. May fourteenth. Uh, it's in theaters. They also can go to VOD, get it on iTunes. It's that simultaneous release. Um, it's a great movie. It's worth it. It's the whole family can see it, and um, it's got uh, it's a good, good kick-ass little thriller. It's got good performances in there too. I Thank really you. you and the young lady Liana is that Liana, yeah, who plays your daughter is fantastic, and Olga Kurylenko from okay. Oblivion and Quantum of Solace, and she's done a couple of things now with Malik. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, yeah, that's right. So you guys get a great cast there, and you filmed in Brussels, right? Yeah. All right. So yep. not only do you get great actors. Great you get location. European scenery too. All that and more. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming by the podcast today. You, Aaron Eckhart, Harvey right. Dent, keeping Ladies it real with us. And two face. All of it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
Well, Aaron Eckhart, what a what a gentleman. Mm, what a ge gentleman and a scholar. So our <clears throat> Chris Carl came out as soon as we were done with that podcast, and these were his first words. That is a handsome man. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, he really, like, I joke about wanting to take a nap in his chin like a little kitten, but I do. Um, <laughs> he, he, this you is. You are about kitten size, too. Mm, I am. It's Ro true. Ro Roth is a, <laughs> basically the size of a, a mountain lion. I prefer, <laughs> I prefer fun, smi size. fun, <laughs> fun size. size yeah. I am fun sized, is how I You're like, like to say might. it. like Exactly. <laughs> I'm fun sized, damn it. Um, tiny but mighty. So. <laughs> Yeah, he, like Gleek from Wonder Twins. Exactly, I loved, <laughs> loved, I did love Wonder Twins. He he really has star. It's funny because it's like if you didn't know that he was kind of a, and he's not as big of a movie star as he sort of should be. But if you didn't know that he was a movie star, you would think he was. He just you would think has he that. was a professor or or like he could have one of those guys that like probably was. Uh, an athlete or a sports guy like he he just does seem like he's got that bearing to have been either in politics sports newscaster so like he was he just made presence. for something yeah and it's just also like his voice and his face like he yeah. just seems like even if he hadn't dreamed of being an, a, an actor he somehow would have found his way in front of a camera sure you know yeah. and he's just a cool dude too like again that as that conversation shows i mean we uh, he was very open and forthright about pretty much everything, and you know it's probably one of the the better chats I've had with with actors. Yeah. But um, I, I realized I left out a, a little, just tiny little news uh, uh, blurb earlier, uh, and I just want to throw it out there. Kevin Feige says that even though they've got the rights to Daredevil, Kevin Feige being the the head of Marvel Studios, even though they've got the rights to Daredevil back now doesn't mean that there's a reboot happening anytime soon. Right. So that kind of puts the kibosh on those on, on those rumors and just kind of fan hopes. Uh, I mean, he was specifically asked about a uh, big screen re reboot. I mean, he didn't, and this might just be us being coy and seeing what we want to see, but like he didn't say anything about TV, but it really does sound like for right now it's, shield on tv i mean if they couldn't get guillermo's hulk going then why would re why would daredevil or jessica jones or any of these other things that they were going to do they they have so much on their plate now yeah. i mean if you look at what they've already announced I, I just i would be surprised and i also think it's daredevil's kind of an interesting thing where the film was not successful, but it wasn't a flop either. But it it made a hundred million. Yeah. yeah. So that means people saw it. So that means the imprint is there. Yeah. And I feel like it's odd, oddly enough, that the because it was not two actors that then became completely unknown and went away, but because it's Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner, Colin Farrell too, and Colin Farrell, that it's left an imprint. Mm -hmm in a way that other films that they tried and didn't do that well have not. It's it, Daredevil's hey, really Electra interesting. Hey, movie happened out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's clearly it wasn't, it, it might not have been creatively uh, um, successful for a lot of folks, but I, I, I think the director's cut is a little better when they get into more of the Matt Murdock lawyer crime case thing yeah. subplot. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've, we've uh, beaten the dead horse that is Daredevil a number of times, not as much as probably Iron Man, though. No. I mean, not Iron Man, Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. But let's talk about let's talk about good movies now. We're gonna, <laughs> as I as I prefaced earlier, 
we're going to uh, talk about wh how much we think Iron Man 3 will make this weekend since it's the big new release. It's opening up on 4,000 screens. Uh, in limited release is a movie called The Iceman, which is a true crime story s starring General Zod himself, <laughs> Michael Shannon. Say, Zod. Starring you know, Zod. Starring Zod, or if you know, you might know him from Boardwalk Empire. Sure. Um, or but many other things. Michael Shannon's great. Yeah, Michael Shannon, Crazy Eye Shannon. Yeah. Uh, but he actually seems like a really funny guy. If you guys haven't seen the thing of him reading the batshit crazy sorority chicks letter, uh, I think it's Funny or Die or College Humor had it. You you got to check it out because he just he's awesome. He's fantastic in it. Um, but uh, so we're going to talk about how much we think Iron Man three will make this weekend, um, and then we're going to have a, a spoilerish chat. So we will give you a heads up, at which point you can save the podcast and listen to it after the the rest of it. The Iron Man three spoiler chat after you have seen Iron Man three, mm. which opens I believe midnight Thursday. Yeah. At least stateside. You UK and AU listeners, all you international folks who have seen the movie, please be mindful of spoilers when you post comments in the in the um, in the podcast story. If you do that, uh, just you know, because the the folks stateside who haven't seen it yet, there are some big twists in the movie, and we don't want we don't want to piss on their parade. Well, yeah, we want them to enjoy it. Yeah, we enjoyed it. All right, so I think uh, looking at w the the numbers of what Iron Man one and two made iron man one opened with like 98 million almost 99 million went on to gross 585 dollars in total uh 585 million dollars <laughs> <laughs> marvel has come such Mar a long way wow marvel's really expanded <laughs> that's like howard the duck money right there actually no that's more like punisher warzone money yeah seriously that thing like tanks so hard it, punisher it, warzone. it lost um, they and, started paying people to see it. Yeah. Uh, and then Iron Man 2 made $30 million more its opening weekend, but yet made, like, ultimately, like, I want to say, like, 7 or $10 million less domestically well, than the first one. Which really, But it made way much more internationally. So basically what we're getting at is you're going to you're gonna see more and more these big Hollywood movies – Depending on what they make inter internationally, and they make boat loads, boat bat more, yeah, loads more boat bat, and and uh, you know so Iron Man two opened with 128 million. I I think given the hype and how cool Iron Man three is, and the fact that it's on 4,000 plus screens, I think uh, and and that it has already made internationally in the the week that it's been out. As of Wednesday, May first, two hundred and forty-two million dollars. Not too shabby. That's insane. That's insane. So many movies would love to get that just total after their whole run what, what, worldwide. What was the Avengers total? Avengers was over uh, was, a couple was, of billion. It was, yeah, it was over uh, one point something billion. Yeah. it's like the right after Avatar now. Yeah, uh, and that opened to two hundred and seven point four million dollars. It made one point five billion worldwide. Domestically, it ended at six hundred twenty-three point four million. So I, I'm thinking but it is. I had a bet with somebody that it could that it could reach Avatar, but it didn't. A Avengers, or? yeah, Avengers. Uh, I, you know what? A lot of people scoffed at that early on, and then it kept a going. That yeah. train kept a going, and yeah, they shut up eventually. But I think event, uh, Avatar had um, a few other factors going for it. I think also the time of year that it came yeah. out. 
I mean, Avengers came out uh, hard of summer where Batman was right around the corner, whereas Avatar came out at Christmas time, and it was a particularly weak season. It and, was. And, and then it also did well critically and, and got some Oscar notice um, uh, Which nominations. Which gives it another little boost a few months later. And so it, was, it stuck around at a good time. Um, but I think Iron Man 3, I'm going to say it's going to make... I'm going to say 160 million. I think it's going to make 160. I don't. I, I think reaching that Avengers 207 number, even even that wasn't predicted for Avengers. That wasn't even at the high end. Everybody I, was like, "Holy shit, we're making so much money!" Yeah, but I think this. I think that in the day and age that we're in, the early buzz from Europe. And coupled with the positive notes that it's getting, saying it's fixed all the problems, it has everything you love about Iron Man, everything you loved about Iron Man 1, but more, because Shane Black brings his Shane Blackness to it in mm -hmm. terms of the humor and the action and things like that. The whole buddy dynamic. The buddy dynamic. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. It's... That's going to be the next movie, Iron Man 4, The Buddy Dynamic. The Buddy Dynamic, colon, The Buddy Dynamic. <laughs> I think this, I think it's going to make 185. Okay. I mean, I think that's perfectly possible. I, I, I really do hope it's a huge uh, hit, not only for Marvel, but also for Shane Black. Um, odd, odd guy, but, you know, I think... I like him. Yeah, I do. but he, he definitely, he marches to his own beat. And, that's what I like about and him. And we're going to probably, at this point in time... Uh, save the podcast. Now we're going to, because we, we really are a champion at the bit to, to get into talking about um, the, the sort of the details of Iron Man 3. So for those who have listened thus far and want to come back and listen to the rest of the podcast, thanks for listening. And, um, and uh, shoot us your email after you see the movie at, and at keepingitreal at IGN.com. For those of you who have seen Iron Man 3 or just want to really hurt yourself and get spoiled before you see it. Don't do that, keep though. Listening. Don't do it. It's, it's, come on. Those surprises, I really mean uh, Don't it. make like, me come over there. Don't make me spank you because here's the thing. Those the surprises and the twists are so much fun. Mm -hmm. They're such a pleasure to watch. I, I don't... Even if you've read the Extremist comic... Um, there are a couple of things in there that, you know, that the movie is faithful to, but it departs in many significant ways from that. They really basically just take the idea of extremists and yeah. then run with it. So let's, uh, we're going to, now we're going to dive into talking about that. So uh, for those tuning out, tune back in after you see it. Everyone else? Thank okay, you. you're still here. <laughs> Yay. All right, so Iron Man 3, let's talk, we, we were talking about extremists. Let's, um, uh, had you read the comic or seen the the motion comic? Like it got, basically turned into a cartoon that you can watch on, I think, Netflix. Yeah, I hadn't, and I'm it's I am weird because I will take different stances on different properties. Where sometimes I don't want to read the source material before. I don't want to see anything before. I want to go in with fresh eyes, and that's how I felt. And sometimes, like I'm going. Um, to like Days of Future Past, I will be feel differently about because mm -hmm. um, I'll want to see how what they. What about Wolverine? Will you have, have you ever read the Claremont Miller stuff in the eighties where he goes to Japan? No, and and I and I'll tell you, it's weird because with Iron Man, I didn't want to see anything. I didn't want to know anything going in. I just wanted to have this experience because I'm a real Shane Black fan, and I wanted to see what he was going to do without having any preconceived notions. Okay. I will not. I will be doing the same thing with Wolverine, but. With Days of Future Past, I am going to be reading it because 
it's different enough inherently because of the the first class nature yeah. that the timelines are different enough <clears throat> that I'm actually really curious to see the differences. I've been reading, uh, rereading Days of Future Past, and uh, there is a lot that they're going to have to alter because of just by virtue of characters that aren't in the yeah. the movie. But well, we'll talk more about Days of Future Past uh, another time. But I think that on your point of like source material, I I'm just always curious about um, how faithful the comic book adaptations or what little elements they might poach. Like, I, I did kind of like with the Nolan Batman films how they took little things here and there. Not, I mean, they they basically took No Man's Land for for um, Dark Knight Rises and mixed it with Nightfall, uh-huh. and they took uh, bits of um, Long Halloween and Bat and and um, Batman number one for for uh, Dark Knight and Batman Begins was based on, you know, not only year one, but there was a the man who falls. And they basically they had enough like little things here and there. And like Man of Steel, we were talking with Joey Esposito earlier. It looks like they're they're borrowing rather liberally from uh, Birthright. Yeah. Where Green Lantern was uh, Jeff John's stuff. Right. Superman travels the world to, to find himself and then comes back and joins Daily Planet. But And I, I think that stuff is interesting. And that's another one that I will read before. But I think it's interesting. But I also think that we, in, by nature of our jobs, know so much going into these things. Yeah, we have to. I mean, you just kind of absorb the stuff just by virtue of your friends and colleagues yeah. talking that, you know, you don't always have to. It's just it's good to, to have some sort of experience. Like, what was your... Uh, I mean, how much Iron Man stuff had you read just in general before? Just a little bit. I mean, honestly, like as a as a girl, yes. um, I I read. I mean, I'm 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 I've told, like as a little girl growing up in the Mississippi Delta, the Mississippi dreaming Delta to be a Delta, blues man. Exactly. D- what dream- were, that is so <laughs> I grew up in New York City. Actually, <laughs> um, I read. I had. I read some comics. Um, I read a lot of Archie. As I'm telling you the truth, I'm 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 saying it right now. I, I'm, I read I'm saying Archie it loud. a little bit. I loved Archie. I had a whole trunk full of Archies. Joey loves Archie too. Actually, we bonded. Joey loves that. Archie. That's my favorite failed pilot of this. <laughs> Joey season. loves Archie. Yeah. But I read superhero comics too. Um, not not then into my teen years. Not so much. You know. Yeah. Um, and so here and there, but not much. And I and I think that Iron Man for me was the Marvel movie revolution. And so I think like a lot of people, um, I it's this downy character that I am I am inv- I mean, the downy, downy version is of inextricably linked to with Tony that Stark. And though I mean Tony Stark was, you know, based on Howard Hughes and 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 had sort of that I he, he had the yeah. potential to become I, even though he it, it was wasn't almost like he was Howard Hughes and Hugh Hefner rolled in the yeah. way that Downey played him. You yeah, know? well, but but I mean, really, With like a little Steve Jobs. No, Bill but Gates Tony Stark, like Tony Stark, the Tony Stark comic character was based on on Howard Hughes. Yeah, and so I feel like his interpretation in his performance, yeah, it's it's like a young, the vibrancy of Howard Hughes without so much of the, with a little bit I'm of... Not pissing in jars yet. Yeah, he's not quite piss- He has a little bit of the darkness, but he's not quite crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yet, although in this movie, he goes a little closer to he, that. He, he is suffering from, like, basically panic attacks, a little post-traumatic stress over the events of Avengers with, as they keep just cryptically referring to it, uh, what happened in New York. 
Um, how do you think the movie handled the sort of um, that particular plot line of, of, of Tony's sort of suddenly panicking where he had seemed so cocksure in all these other movies? I thought it was brilliant. And this is why, is that because Downey has been saying, well, okay, first of all, just to finish up what I was saying about Shane Black, is that like obviously like any normal human being, I like Lethal Weapon. And, she, you know, and, and there's a lot of little lethal weapon type things in yeah. there. Like it's set at Christmas. Well, I guess every Shane Black thing is set at Christmas. Yeah, there's always a Christmas element. There's like there's like a, a, a fight or a foot chase through like Christmas tree stuff, I think, at one point. Yeah, there's yeah. A, there is. There's like, I mean, you can't help but, but watch the banter between... Downey and Don Cheadle and not and, think Lethal and, Weapon, and you think know. Murdoch and yeah, and and so I really Murtaugh, Murtaugh, pardon me, Riggs. Murdoch and Riggs, Murdoch. Getting your eighteen um, mixed up. With I am. Weapon. I did. I brought the I brought the eighteen in. The eighteen different eighties thing. The eighteen belong in everything. Yeah. By the way, um, I saw. I, I told you earlier today that I saw. Um, Danny Glover at a signing. Yeah. And I was really like, you really are too old for this shit. Now. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus. Um. Anyway, that was a slip of the tongue. But yeah, I like. But I also he made an action movie that I love that nobody saw because it had a female lead. And I know I'm just sounding like a girl and a thing, but it really like the long kiss goodnight is I think Sam Jackson's in um, that too. Yeah, and I think it's truly one. Of, he didn't make it. Pardon me, he wrote it. Um, but I really think it's one of the more underrated action. Also has Christmas elements. One of the more underrated action movies. I just I. Really it was basically female born before there was born. Cause yeah. She, was like a, she, she lost her memory. Yeah, but I think mm-hmm. like you know, look, Shane Black also brings a lot of very funny, good mm-hmm. material in here. Like there's a lot of great stuff between the henchmen that I loved, uh, the banter between you know, uh, Rhodey and, and Tony, but also. Uh, and this is where we're going to get into the big spoiler of the movie. Marvel credits Shane Black with being able to crack the Mandarin problem that they had. You know, Mandarin they kept saying, oh, he's going to be in the first one. Hey, he's going to be in the second one. And they just kept putting him off because he is a character of the time that he came out. He's in the long, ugly tradition of you know, the quote-unquote yellow peril characters where, you know, the even evil Asian uh, dictator type. Right. Well, and, the, you know, the, it's like the East-West dichotomy. Yeah. It doesn't I so mean, much. Basically Fu Manchu. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, uh, and so they were always trying to figure out how to do it. So, you know, again, for those of you who've seen the movie, this is no spoiler, but turns out it's just all a sham. It's an act. And that he is just this basically... He reminded me, Ben Kingsley, like when he turns into Trevor Slattery, the English actor, he almost came across like he was Arthur. Right. You know, and, and but it kind of like also a little a little bit like without a clue, the other Ben Kingsley movie where Michael Caine is the actor basically yeah. pretending to be Sherlock Holmes or whatever. Um, It's so funny that you bring up Arthur. But yeah, he did have that quality. I think I think we're, we're circling back a little bit to, to Tony, Tony having the nervous condition now, Tony Stark having now the ner- nervous condition, is that what I really like about Shane Black is that his heroes are very flawed human beings. Like, oh, yeah. You know, um, Riggs was a... He was a mess. Com- he, he was a complete... Ben- and he's probably closer to what Mel Gibson's personality actually is than yeah. any other character Mel Gibson's <laughs> ever played, right? Because he's completely insane. And like, but <laughs> awesome, you know? Like, so yeah. awesome. Um, but crazy. And then even Gina Davis's character in the long kiss goodnight is is terribly flawed i mean she's very conflicted um so 
But Downey has kept saying, like, the best time I ever did this was the first time because it was fresh and it was new and I was finding this character. I think he really pushed, Robert Downey Jr. really pushed to have Pepper Potts be a part, have them be in a relationship because he wanted to find a way to continue, not just reboot and redo the same thing, but to continue and have an, a new and set of adult actually act problems. and not just get by on his shtick, if you yeah. will, or get, back on, uh, get by on glibness, yeah. which I felt like was... I thought there was a, a central uh, problem for Tony in the second one that I liked that they didn't really explore, which was, you know, the idea of his body turning on him. Yeah. Um, that kind of quickly got pushed aside. Um, but, uh, you know, and then in, in Avengers, there really wasn't much time to do that except for just focus on sort of the the macho kind of power struggle between him and the values kind of clash between him and, and Cap. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I liked that in this one. Tony vulnerable. Tony really is stripped of his armor and he's not even in the suit that yeah. much like between all the stuff in North Carolina yeah and that all that great stuff with the kid that could have been awful but the fact that they pulled off like this uh hero kid relationship and that it's such a big part of the movie it's not like a couple of scenes it's not like a mean Joe Green thing of him tossing the jersey to the kid. It's yeah. an actual, the kid is a character. and The kid is really talented, too. He's good. He's a good little kid actor. And he Downey, holds his own with Downey. He holds his own with freaking Robert Downey Jr. And I think, I think he probably, my guess is that he really said to them, okay, fine, we're going to do this third movie, but these are the things that I want. I want to be in a real adult relationship. I don't want you to just reboot this and give me a new love interest because it's more interesting for me as an actor to explore the problem of, problems of a real adult relationship and they don't yeah. really but it's more interesting and more than that if i'm if i just saw an alien invasion and this is crazy and i'm used to being in control of everything and now i realize i'm actually in control of nothing yeah because there are gods, all my uh, money and, all of my and money and all of my brilliance yeah. there are gods and monsters and aliens coming out of the sky and i don't know when they're going to come back and i don't know and what like to he do has about that it. great line i'm just a man in a can i'm a man in a can Give me that to play. Give me something to play. And I think they, they basically wrote it so that he wouldn't be bored as an actor. Yeah. But it also really works in terms of the through line of the story. Because, yeah, who wouldn't have a nervous breakdown? When, and he also, though, uh, um, it, it works, too, with the, the idea of him needing to make amends for certain things in his life. Like, it, it opens with basically his... We create our own demons. Yeah, we create our own demons. And sort of he... You know, it starts in 1999, where this is pre-Iron Man Tony, where he's at the height of his boozing, womanizing, uh, taking shit for granted kind of phase. And he um, inadvertently uh, uh, stokes the, the, or plants the seeds for two people that will later uh, prove to be enemies of his. One of them, Maya Hansen, Rebecca Hall's character, who is in the Extremist comic and also betrays him in that um so for people who read the comic that's the thing you saw coming uh aldrich killian is a a kind of a basically a throwaway character in the comic and he is turns out to be the real the big villain. bad you know he's not it's not so much that he's mandarin as he is the power behind the throne that the i love the idea that the mandarin is just a symbol but i do think that there is i do have to wonder how much the idea of the the distraction of like Ra's al Ghul and Batman Begins mm -hmm. 
um, which was a trick that never convinced me because I knew the minute you cast Liam Neeson, he looks too much like the guy in the comics not to be him. But, um, you know, the idea that uh, Ra's al Ghul basically had a proxy that was used so that the real guy could be kind of operate out in the open and yet in secret at the same time. I think, I mean, I think it's an interesting conceit. And I think that what Shane Black does is, is, is address. Okay. I think that, that Iron Man one dealt with the idea of real world problems like terror. Right. Um, I think that what he does, what he's able to do in this movie is touch on the real, the idea that that does exist. Um, that that's something that's in our world, but not get lost down that rabbit hole kind yeah. of. He's able to make it about another real world problem, which is corporate greed. Yeah. And he's able to r- sort of say, yeah, th- this is a thing and we do have enemies. Now, yeah. um, but this is another real thing that exists. Corporate greed exists. Um, and this is what it looks like. Um, it looks like this very handsome man. <laughs> yeah. Um, then uh, an- another element I liked from the movie was that it, it had, um, uh, I mean, the extremist itself, the way it's used, is different than in the comic where, where the powers really get, um, uh, you know, this guy's breathing fire and stuff. Here it's just basically that more like crazy. you are you are essentially um, a, a, a lethal weapon. You are you are like a living weapon, and you have you these time regenerative. Bomb, literally. Yeah, you have regenerative powers, um, and you know there's the the I, I like the little cadre of of super soldiers. The way they had uh, Eric Savin in there, who was cold blood in the comics, um, and then um, the two women, the one who had the scars on her face, mm-hmm. and then the. Uh, the other one with like the longer reddish hair. She's some notable actress, isn't she? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, Eric <laughs> Goldman said she was. Yeah. Oh well, I don't know. Um, um, but yeah, no, if I like. She liked is. The, I didn't note her. <laughs> yeah, she's not notable <laughs> she's to you. Not notable to me. Uh, what do you think of um, uh, basically sort of their the way they leave it with? Okay, Tony now doesn't have the arc reactor in his chest. And he, you know, he loses his home and he blows up all his suits after all that time of building all that stuff. He blows up. That's showing you have way too much goddamn money. Operation Clean Slate. Yeah. Again, Clean Slate from Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. I'm just pointing out a little something. I, I know. I mean, I. Well, A, a couple of things. I think that the idea of, of being a time bomb is a good metaphor, right, for for Tony and his his his. The superhero buddy of choice yeah. that we all love, the Hulk. I mean, the idea that you are yourself um, a very powerful, time potential destructive force, I think works for who Tony Stark is, yeah. right? Because if he doesn't control it, if he doesn't control all of the energy that he has, um, metaphorically speaking, then he goes off the rails and he becomes a force of destruction, right? And he builds too many suits and he goes insane and he messes up his relationships. Yeah, and we and saw it in the second film too where he drank too much. I mean, obviously they're never going to tackle the the alcohol storyline at this point, but it's, it's uh, you know, you're right in that it, the movies have shown that th- if th- this is a man who is excessive. Yes. And he cannot learn, to, he has to learn to curb his tendencies and because if he doesn't control his excess what he will do is go off the rails and give 
terrorists his home address. Yeah. Like, and he will not only like like this is the thing is that not only when they self-destructed, they took out everyone around him. That's exactly what Tony would do. If he self-destructs, he's taking out an entire cadre of people. Well, with yeah, him. I mean, in that the big set piece that everyone has has seen in the in the promos and trailers and everything with the destruction of his home by the Mandarin's yeah. helicopters. I mean, that's all because he mouthed off and said, yeah. although it would be pretty tough to hide where your home is if you're Tony Stark. Well, it would. Wouldn't you always have, like, paparazzi helicopters around? You would, but I think the point, again, in this movie, or, like, the link, the metaphorical link of the two ideas was is like, that... like, come get me. Is, uh, is, is, ...is the arrogance, first of all, um, and, and, yeah, just the hubris. And I think Tony's, one of Tony's big problems is hubris, because if you have that level of brilliance, you're probably going to have some kind of hubris, you yeah, know? Yeah. I don't know, because I don't. <laughs> have that level of like brilliance. we said bag of hammers <laughs> bag of hammers over here bag of hammers but i think it works in that way and i also i just i i i will say this too i as a side note i hate to harp on this one thing but i i was just at that point that i was going to be so annoyed if pepper didn't do anything yeah. i was like i get that you're not a trained fighter i get that you can't do that, but if you don't at least try, I'm going to be real upset when she kicked so much ass in I that mean, one she, little moment. And she also showed off her rocking abs. Oh, my God. Like you could tell, like, okay, I worked out for a few months to do this No, I, Gwyneth, Gwyneth is a huge into yoga, so I think really? she always looks like that. But I will say this, that it was the exact right moment to do it because I wouldn't have liked her to suddenly be an ass-kicking superhero. She's not. That's not yeah, a Yeah, there's no set-up scene of her, like, yeah. kickboxing. Um, but and it was a beautiful ass kicking moment, and then her response was perfect. Oh my god, that was so violent! <laughs> yeah, because it's not her nature. <laughs> it just um, isn't. But I okay. I have one little issue with uh, that big set piece, though the attack on the house. All right, so Maya Hansen goes there. She's to goad Pepper into going with her as bait, so that Tony will then go and join forces with them or do some shit with them. But she's going to allow herself to be in the place that gets shot up and almost get killed? My, I think that, and that's, I, I agree. My interpretation of that was that their wires were crossed. That like in any business, <laughs> you you suffer some measure of miscommunications between the different... That's a big miscommunication. Yeah, <laughs> that is a big miscommunication. Well, maybe they were, well, I mean, I would say maybe they were banking on, well, if she got killed, Tony would be spurred to action. But he didn't really even... I don't think he would have cared, you know, if if Rebecca Hall's character. Oh, Maya. oh, I was like, oh, yeah, you were like, your face dropped like pepper. He loves. I her. was like, no, but no, he no, loves no, 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 Maya Hansen. I'm sorry. Um, I was like, he would have, of course, he would have done something if pepper got killed. Well, it does killed. look like she dies at one point. It does, and he do, and and he immediately goes into crazy mode. Do you, now? Do you think that they? Was it kind of a mistake to have it all wrapped up so neatly in the end? Like, oh, we just had it taken out of them. Because he, then he went and killed all these other people that could you have saved them instead? My, my It was interesting because I, I, at the end, I was a little like, I kind of wanted, if we're going to continue on with Iron Man and if Pepper is going to be a part of it, I kind of wanted her to have to deal with that. Well, I kind of in the comics, they yeah. had that whole storyline. Yeah, know? so I kind of was disappointed that it was just fixed. And so um, quickly and so, like, just through voiceover montage. Yeah, I was a little disappointed with that. And then I, and I did wonder, okay, well, now what's this going to mean now that you are healed? 
um, for your role. And I, I, yeah, I wondered why they made that choice and maybe that's to be revealed. I don't really know. Well, maybe they have a little iron baby on the next one. A little iron baby. You know, I mean, that seems to be one of the few avenues left for them to take at this point. You know, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think it would be a smart idea, but it would be a terrible idea to be on But you know, who knows what the actors think of, you know, next and say really really want that in the movie you know you know who is disappointed though in iron man 3 the chinese Mm -hmm. because it was supposed to be a big chinese co-production yeah that didn't end up happening they said oh we're casting all these big chinese actors there's the uh, one guy who's literally just uh, uh a blip on screen at a couple of points and then this huge uh chinese actress I don't even know if she's even ends up in the movie in the domestic version. So there's going to be a whole like you know, China only cut, but I don't see where that story allows for anything involving any other character that isn't already in it. I don't know. I mean, it, here's who else is disappointed. I don't know if you've noticed, Jim. We're not disappointed with the movie. We By both the way, really loved it. Yeah, I, yeah. Just fun. to be clear, I loved Iron Man 3. I think yeah. you should go see it. I, I mean, I'm hoping you have fun, if you're yeah. listening to that. I think it's awesome fun. I recommend a lot of I'm going to go see it again. Yeah, me too. Um, th- But it's interesting. We've been, Eric and I have been talking about this. Um, Speaking of the, Iron, the Mandarin twist, comic book fans have been really angry and like posting in... The review and deliberately spoiling too because they're spoiling angry. Spoiling things because they're angry and posting in forums and posting in the review that we have up that they're very angry about the Mandarin twist that it just kind of like I guess neutered that character or well, like made him takes, a non-entity. Well, know? it takes away one the ability to ever use that character again. It'd right. be like if suddenly the Joker turned out to eh, it's not really the Joker. Yeah, you know, like you take away the guy's arch enemy and you just sort of turn it into a punchline but i liked the idea of the boogeyman yeah and 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 he is very scary and then so when the twist comes and you like he's just a d-bag actor yeah you know um it's one it's a great commentary on on showbiz in a way but two it's also you know it it makes sense why there would be this sort of um supervillain created you know as a way to help sell your weapons and basically everything. yeah it's corporate greed you know yeah. um and i thought that was very interesting i love it and i do think it's funny now that you mentioned it is kind of a commentary on showbiz because we do deify talent we deify also, actors i mean marvel's notorious for paying their actors shit yeah and then dumping them if they want more yeah basic well the only one that they don't do that is, is, with Downey. is Downey, and he's striving to uh to renegotiate right now i'm sure they'll they'll bring him back for avengers too but i don't know like what do you think of uh for the future of iron man i mean should iron man take a break for a little while just be in avengers 2 but sort of set out an iron man 4 for a while should they recast it you can't reboot it because it's all phase two phase like everything is linked so you can't you can't now f up that continuity. Does does it just follow Rhodey? I don't know. I don't I know, mean, and 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 that's and it is an interesting because he Downey is the appeal. 
I mean, yeah. that's the truth, is that Downey is as Tony The reason Stark, why he's front and center on the Avengers poster. Exactly. Because he is the appeal. And so I don't think there's anything you... It's interesting because I feel like it's now that Have we're talking about this... Have they created a monster? They've created a monster. I feel like at the end of this movie, that they ended in such a way that if we want to go, okay, if they don't move forward, that's okay. Tony, yeah. Tony and Pepper... And okay. the little robot guy. Little I'm glad that yeah. he wasn't destroyed. I felt bad when you see him sinking into the water. Yeah. The little dunce arm thing. He must have a name. I can't Jarvis, think. isn't it? Jarvis? No, Jarvis Not is Jarvis. the AI. Jarvis is the AI. Yeah. So the little robot guy is... Uh, I don't know what his name is. I'm, I'm sure he has a name. He might just be tool uh work droid or some some shit work droid yeah. yeah oh i thought you were i i actually it's funny because i anyway the little arm thing the Remember arm the, thing the yeah, one yeah. that sprayed him yeah, in yeah. the first movie yeah and all that. i actually thought you were talking about the ai jarvis and i was like why would jarvis no 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 because no. when jarvis was yeah he like died shorting off out that. yeah but he he can't he just needed a reboot he needed a reboot but he was shorting out there for a minute i always thought that the making jarvis ai was a really smart idea yeah Instead of just basically like in the comics where he's just Alfred. Yeah. You know? I, I love the I love the Jarvis character because I like the omniscient quality of him. Yeah. And and yet the butler like quality of him. But he's in an omniscient butler. Like he can be your butler wherever you are. Yeah. Because he's AI. I love Jarvis. But anyway, yeah, I thought you were talking about when he was shorting out. Um, no, no. Um uh the little robot arm thing. Oh. Because uh, when you see the the house get destroyed sinks down in the water you're like oh because he you know D- stark as he is wont to do treats people around him like shit including his little robot arm yeah. and so when the ro- when they found the robot arm at the end and that's the only bit of home that he brings with them i liked that yeah. it's like he's back to basics yeah. all i need is my 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 woman girl my woman my car and my robot arm and jarvis and Jarvis. My butler. And my money. And, my, and all of my billions of dollars, bills out of my butt. Um, I think that I think that the way they ended it, it could be like, you know, if they want to say they're happy, they're good. I mean, they literally drive off they into drive the sunset. They drive off into the sunset. They're going to rebuild and everything's going to be okay. Then fine. I would imagine they're going to move to New York. Sure. Although Stark Tower needs to, needs to be cleaned up a little after what happened. But... But if they want to continue on, they probably can. But the thing is, like, what do you do with Tony Stark now? I mean, he he has. Well, you could do what they do in the comics, and we'll we'll see what happens with Nick Fury and and uh, in Cap Two and with the Shield series. But Tony Stark became head of Shield for a yeah. while in the comics. I mean, maybe you could set up to the um, Civil War storyline, and that he has to get back in the suit at some point. You know, has to pick a side to be on. I mean, that would give Downey another interesting arc to play and you could kind of treat him the way that like the Sam Jackson Nick Fury character has been which is now you become the unifying presence in the movies and they already want him to be is my take yeah. and I would not be surprised if it goes that direction what I would because it also would allow him to work less fewer days yeah. Um, on the individual movies, yeah. um, which I think would probably appeal to him and appeal to Marvel, and because appeal they to Marvel because they wouldn't have much. to pay him as much. But I think that it'll be. I wonder. I I imagine they are having some very interesting negotiations right now. Wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall of those? Yeah. Be like you know, like talking about how much would he have to work and what will the money be, and I think it how will be. How contentious do you think those talks get? Because they always they always get so like smile and wave with each other at press things, but you have to wonder like. There, there must be a lot of passive aggressive. 
I used to work. I worked very briefly when I graduated from film school. One of like the first things I did was I worked at an agency incredibly briefly. And I can tell you, because I was worked there at pilot season when contracts were being negotiated for actors that were cast in pilots and what they were going to get paid. Very fucking contentious. Wow. Yelling at the top of their lungs contentious. And I'm talking about for a pilot. So imagine with the millions of dollars that are on the line and how cheap Marvel is fiscally responsible marvel is <laughs> and how 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 much of a boon robert downey now is for them now and I he bet, knows it and he, he knows it i mean there's no he has to be the most confident movie star i have ever seen like if you think will smith is kind of robert downey really he puts the cock in cock of the walk yeah he does <laughs> he puts the cock in all of it um but <laughs> he i think very contentious he also put it in a girl i used to go to school with college his wife good for her yeah i went to film school with his wife making babies making making little iron babies i think i think very contentious but i also think probably i think yeah i think honestly what you said is the best solution really that he's the unifying force in the marvel universe but that iron man as a movie franchise after this one which was so great takes a breather yeah i mean with being getting rid of sam jackson's nick fury but who knows? Maybe he gets his own spinoff movie or something like that, or has to go and do his own thing. Or maybe you don't need Sam Jackson. Or maybe anymore. we don't need him. I mean, I'll be honest. Like, do you yeah. feel like you would really miss it? Um, I love Sam Jackson. I I, I, I feel love like Nick Fury. I feel like if you're gonna get rid of Nick Fury, you need to have. He needs a proper departure. You can't just be demoted and kicked out. He he needs at least. Um, he he needs a good exit. You know. He, he's a character that, at least in the comics, warrants that sort of... And they've done things like that in the comics where he's had to uh, clear Jack- his name or do this or that or whatever. You know? Yeah, but Sam Jackson, it's interesting because he's in this odd non-position now in the sense that like... Or I don't know if that's the right word. He's in this weird position where he's not a big enough part of the movie franchise, right? But at the same time, he's way too big to be a part of S.H.I.E.L.D., the television show, regularly. He's in this weird no-man's land. And I love Sam Jackson. I think it would be cool if they did a S.H.I.E.L.D. movie. But if they're doing the TV show, I don't know how likely that is. You know, it's interesting. Well, I think, uh, you know, we'll have a lot more to talk about with Iron Man 3 in the the weeks and days and months did and you possibly like the, the years ahead. The, the butt. The, 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 the <laughs> did you like the little button at the end? Did you like the moment with with? Oh, with the the tag with yeah. Ruffalo and yeah. Down. yeah, I did. I thought that was cute. Uh, I guess I was a little bummed that it wasn't a teaser for another movie. But you know what? It was good to see Mark Ruffalo fulfill at least one of his contractual obligations as, as Hulk. Um, well, as Bruce Banner, um, and I do like that that. These two guys, that Tony Stark can actually be legit, straightforward friends with a guy who is supposed to be as smart as he is. Or at least, in you know, he can show this guy some respect and actually be buddies with him. Yeah. And that also seemed like the the closest thing to like a Whedon moment in that that, uh, whole thing. But uh, I I liked it. I thought it was cute. I, I think people will be bummed that it's not. No, there's nothing... For Thor or Guardians, he doesn't go into space. There's none of that, um, you know. So we'll see. Um, again, like, you know, who I, I kind of doubt that Tony Stark will show up in the Guardians movie now, given the way this story ends. And I don't really see 
any way you could do a Guardians movie with Tony Stark in there without him just taking over the whole thing. Pretty much. You know, so. Um, all right, guys. Well, uh, thank you for listening to this uh, extended and very special Keeping It Real. Uh, we'll be back next week with all the latest movie news for uh, more on Iron Man 3. Send us, oh, I'm sorry again, we didn't get to read our email, but we think you could see we had a lot to talk about. Um, send it to us at keepingitreal at IGN.com. Uh, give us a shout out over on iTunes. And uh, as always, thanks for listening. We'll catch you all next time.